This coverage is live and uncensored. So if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. going on guys my take radio episode 196 actually i thought i almost said 94 196 for thursday august 29th 2013 i'm your host rich and our call in number is 347-324-3541 again our call in number 347-324-3541 you can also hit up our feedback line 347-815-0687 that's 347-815-0mtr all right, we got a lot to discuss. Obviously, last week I took a week off, um, a little a little burnout set in, but I took the opportunity to let the creative juices flow and decided to actually launch MTR in 60. If you've been subscribing to the show via iTunes and Stitcher and also via our RSS feed on the site, you probably already picked up MTR in 60. Now, for those of you that haven't gotten a chance to check it out yet, this is going to be a short form version of the show we're going to be doing. Um, we're going to try and do it a little more often than I would like, only because I think that a lot of people would really enjoy getting a short form version of the show, focusing on a key topic, whether it's um, wrestling specific, MMA specific, entertainment, just a, a variety. Oh, and the reason I decided to do this was because a lot of people have been messaging me about how they enjoy the MTR Beyond the Mic and MTR Behind the Mic interview series because they're short, they're easily consumed, and it allows them to just learn about other individuals and their projects and just get a, a bit of a deeper insight without the, the long three-hour shows under their belt. Now, don't think that I'm going to put the show on, on ice and only do MTR in 60, but I may try and alternate on occasion and do different MTR in 60 shows and I may actually get audience participation for those particular shows with regards to whether they want to hear more so about wrestling or about MMA or about gaming or even about entertainment or if there's a particular topic outside of those core four that they'd like to hear about we can try and put something together so be on the lookout for more episodes of MTR in 60 in the coming weeks I'm figuring possibly every two weeks I'll take a break and do an episode of MTR in 60. If not, I had contemplated doing it every other week. Um, of course, I'd like to gauge what you guys got to say about it and let me know. Of course, you can message me on Twitter at my take radio or via the Facebook fan page. Let me know your thoughts with regards to the MTR in 60 schedule. Now, the other thing I wanted to discuss was, of course, Last week, during the brief hiatus, there were a lot of news that went down. 
Obviously, the Batman casting, which we're going to be talking about tonight. We're also going to be talking about some Avengers stuff. We're going to talk about Ultimate Fight Night 27, which was last night. We got Raw. We got your wrestling news, the usual stuff. And I think that I figured we got to get into it a little bit with the opening monologue for this week because whenever I take time off from the show, crazy things happen. So I want to share this story with you guys so you guys can get a laugh out of this. And um, it actually involved a trip to the Bronx Zoo here in New York City. Uh, Last week, it was my sister-in-law's birthday last Sunday, and we decided to take a trip to the Bronx Zoo. Now, even at 33 years old, I like going to the Bronx Zoo for three reasons. Number one, especially if you start using a DSLR camera, I like taking photos. And um, it's one of those things where, you know, that was part of the reason why I like going. Number two, I just like to kind of be a kid and kind of just mindlessly wander through the Bronx Zoo. Plus, it's great exercise. So during this particular trip, we were... Me in particular, I was really pumped to see the lions and we get to the lion exhibit and shockingly enough, the lion exhibit is closed. So I'm like, shit, you know, the lion exhibit is closed and we walk away and I was really bummed only because lions being my favorite animals, I always like to take really good pictures of them. And if you follow me on Google Plus, you'll probably see some of them in the photo albums on Google Plus. And if you follow me on Facebook, you probably have seen them there as well. But anyway, so the lines were closed. We were bummed. So my wife, she, for some crazy reason, is a big fan of otters. Now, otters are cool. I always feel that whenever I look at an otter, I see, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch from Sherlock. But I'm sure I'm not the only one that feels that way. Anyway, so we went to a couple of exhibits. We were looking around, looking around. I'm like, hey, you know, where the fuck are the otters? Now, of course, in the in the era of the smartphone, you 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 wonder what would happen if you asked on your phone? So I went into Google on, on my note and I typed in, where are the otters in the Bronx Zoo? First thing that pops up was incident with otters at the Bronx Zoo. I'm like, shit. I look at the date and it was end of May. So, you know, we're, we're in August now and I'm like, all right, very strange. So you guys aren't going to believe this because if you, if you guys are familiar with otters, you know, they're playful, um, cute little little weasel looking creatures and they're always I have no issue with them anyway the otters in the Bronx Zoo were are on timeout or on suspension or or isolated because they took it upon themselves to drown one of the monkeys I kid you not if you don't believe me there is video on YouTube of the otters in the Bronx Zoo drowning one of the monkeys there's like eight otters on top of this monkey drowning him and the other monkeys are trying to save their boy and the otters are like, we don't, we ain't nobody got time to save you. We're just going to drown you. And that is what happened. The otters proceeded to drown the monkey. If um, Slick is in there, do me a favor and pull that up and share it in the chat room because you wouldn't believe it unless you saw it. And that's what happened. So the otters drowned the monkey. Of course, um, my, my wife was bummed because she couldn't see them. And, and I just was... I thought it was the craziest and most amusing story, obviously not because they killed the monkey, but because like, like that kind of crime happens. I almost felt like it needed like, you know, like the CSI music, like, like that's what I was, you know, that's what I needed. I was like, what the hell? It was, it was insane. And, um, 
what bugged me out more was the fact that they didn't they didn't acknowledge it. They didn't put a sign like, hey, if you're looking for the otters, they're not here. Nothing. It was just the monkeys hanging out. The water at the bottom was empty. And that was it. So after leaving disappointed from seeing the otters, we walked back. And by this point, my feet were practically dying. And we walked by the, the lion exhibit again. So as we're walking by, we hear the, the lions. Um, the lions are growling because lions don't roar as as much as people would like to believe that they really don't. Tigers do because they have hollow skulls. I'm sorry. I went to school for animal science. Forgive me. Anyway, so you hear the lions making noise and we've got a bottle of water from the vendor and the vendor was like, oh, yeah, we saw you guys here before. And, you know, my wife is like, yeah, he wanted to take some pictures of the lions. He was bummed that they weren't here. And he's like, yeah, well, if you hear them, it's because the female lion is giving birth. So obviously you're not going to have them outside giving birth with little kids walking around going, oh, my God, you know, just just freaked out and shit. So um, that was that was my excursion to, to the Bronx Zoo. It was it was crazy. And all I got out of it was the otters pretty much 86, the monkey, which was bananas in itself. And obviously there's going to be far more lions in the Bronx Zoo next time I go back. If you are not a New York resident and you're curious about checking it out, definitely do yourselves a favor. Check out the Bronx Zoo. It's a a cool place. Central Park Zoo is kind of cool, too. So is Flushing Meadows. But the Bronx Zoo is where it's at, even though you spend, you know, they nickel and dime the shit out of you because it's like $15 to go in. But then if you want to get on all the other rides or any of the other experiences, they charge you more money. Like I had wanted to go um, to Jungle World because, you know, you get to see like the Panthers and all that stuff. So they charge you extra for that if you don't buy the big $35 ticket. But I don't feel bad because obviously it's for better care for the animals. So really, really crazy stuff. Also, while I was off this week... um, little real world scenario for you guys. Um, I've talked about this a couple of times about selling my house and taking my house off the market and waiting to get married or et cetera, et cetera. So a guy, two houses from me sells his house and the new people move in. And my grandmother, she is old and incredibly nosy. Now, if you guys, if you guys are Hispanic, especially any of our listeners that are Puerto Rican, you know that old, old Puerto Rican old ladies are nosy as fuck. They will find out every ounce of information they can within the first five minutes of knowing you. So new old neighbors moved out, new neighbors moved in, whatever. I come home, my grandmother's telling me all about the new neighbors and how, you know, they might have somebody that wants to look at my house, all this, all this BS. Anyway, so long story short, she tells them that I wanted to sell my house and she takes it upon herself to give them a price for my house that was well below what I want for this house. So, of course, I got pissed off, which is, is pretty normal for me because it's I have two moods, angry and really angry. Most of the time, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty angry most times for for uh, for various reasons. But I was mad because she, you know, she gave them a price that is substantially lower than what I wanted. And not only that, but if you guys are are out there selling houses or whatever you do, you know that people are always going to give you an offer under. And she was like, yeah, but they're nice people, blah, blah, blah. It just, it just tripped me out that somebody so old, because she, she's almost approaching 80. Someone so old can find out so much information in so little time. And then 
flip that into into just ass backwards logic to where pretty much I'm the bad guy. So um, <laughs> that's it, it was it just tripped me out. So word to the wise, if you're if you're Hispanic and you got and you got some old ass relatives, don't let them try and negotiate shit for you because they they will genuinely kick you under the bus nine times out of ten. So. Those are those are my my real world happenings I wanted to share with you guys on the show front. A couple of things I wanted to discuss. Um, if you've been by the fan page earlier today, you will have seen that we are looking for writers. Now, I mentioned this on various episodes for a few reasons, but we're really aggressively looking for writers now because summer's almost over, and a lot of our regular writers are either going back to school or you know real life is getting in the way. So. We're just getting bombarded with stuff left and right, and we want to kind of give people opportunities, but I will stress this, and for any of you that are interested, you can email me at mtrhost at mytakeradio.com or go fill out the form on the site. Um, we're looking for writers that are in it for the long haul, not not you know part-timers or, or people that, that just you know want to want to self-promote their own shit. I just can't do it. If if you're down and you know what we're all about and you know what we offer and you want to write, send me a sample, fill out the form or drop me an email. And it doesn't even matter what category. Initially, we were looking for, for guys to fill the comics or MMA or whatever. Now it's all hands on deck. You want to write about games? Let's talk. You want to write about movies? Let's do it. Um, whatever the case is, drop me a line. Send me a writing sample. Um if you have a good understanding of WordPress, Windows Live Writer, and you're comfortable in those two in those two areas, we definitely want to hear from you. And if you have any ideas for content and you want to try and and test it out and play around with our audience, by all means, definitely reach out and get in touch, and we will try to make it happen. We do accept guest posts. Don't don't get it twisted. We do accept them, but we do have criteria for that. If you're going to send me a guest post, shilling you know, condoms for horses and you wanted to link back to whatever poker website you have, you do yourselves a favor, pour yourself a glass of Drano and proceed to drink it. Don't, don't send us guest posts that aren't in relation to anything we cover. Simple as that. I got a lady who sent me an email for a guest post and she wanted to write about flea shampoo. So, you want to talk about flea shampoo on a website that covers wrestling and gaming and pretty much anything guys 18 to 34 like. I understand that some of us have shitty grooming habits, but really, uh, cat shampoo, not so much. So do, do us a favor. We do accept guest posts, and if you, if you write for another site and you want to throw a link in there, I have no problem with it. But please don't approach us with some generic bullshit because your email will get tossed in the in the virtual round file, a.k.a. The Pale. Lastly, got some fan mail earlier this week asking about forums once again. If you guys have been with us from the beginning, you know that our foray into forums was short-lived for a multitude of reasons. Everybody wanted forums, 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 and we did it. We put a lot of work into it. We had an active community of of about 50 people signed up of which five people wrote on a consistent basis and kept the forums alive. So it truly and utterly was a complete waste of fucking time. So please, 
if if you guys really really want us to do this whole forum shit, it, we we need an active community and not for nothing. If if it's if if it's difficult as it is to pull teeth on Facebook for giveaways and feedback and stuff like that, investing our energies into a forum at this time is just something we don't want to do. If you want to interact with the listeners, our Facebook fan page is one way to do it. Google Plus is another, and of course Twitter as well. All right, so. That's going to wrap up all the uh, show notes, announcements, monologues, all the madness for this week. Let's get into tonight's topics. We're going to talk about UFC Fight Night 27. We got the MMA news for this week, Monday Night Raw, your wrestling news, uh, the Nintendo 2DS. Do not adjust your dial. There is a Nintendo 2DS, and there is a lot to discuss. We're also going to talk about Southie Batman, uh, pretty much (laughs) Ben Affleck. His casting as Batman, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about James Spader's casting as Ultron and a ton of other entertainment news as well. So let's not drag this out any further and let's talk some MMA, shall we? Now, one of the things that bummed me out from last week's, from not doing a show last week, that was that I couldn't talk about Chael fucking Sonnen and Shogun and their fight, and I was really bummed out about it, and I, I almost was tempted to do a separate MTR in 60 just to talk about MMA to discuss that, but it is what it is. We all know what happened. Chael choked out Shogun, called out Vanderlei, and it brings us to today. Anyway, last night, UFC Fight Night, number 27, Fox Sports 1. A lot of great fights on that card. Um, Donald Cerrone, Rafael Dos Anjos, uh, Court McGee, Robert Whitaker, Kelvin Gastelum from The Ultimate Fighter, Takeya Mitsugaki, Brad Tavares, Carlos Condon, and Martin Campman was tremendous. And as usual, we're going to pluck out a couple of fights I want to discuss just because they were awesome. First up. In the prelim category, James Head took on Jason High in an incredibly competitive fight where Jason High secured a submission via guillotine choke. And the reason I say that is because James Head isn't he's not a um he's not a slouch, you know, he's not he's not a corny fighter, he's not garbage. He's a solid fighter, went in there against Jason High. Jason High actually grabbed a very, very smooth guillotine choke, at which point when he secured the mount he pretty much squeezed for all it was worth. I think I think James Head probably saw the phantom zone from how unconscious he was from that choke. Jason High secures the victory with the guillotine choke, a minute and 47 seconds in the first round. Very, very impressive. Hatsuhioki still continues to not be able to get his bearings in the UFC, taking on Darren Elkins in a very, very competitive fight. Hatsuhioki definitely looked very good in the first round. Really aggressive, taking it to Darren Elkins, but rounds two and three, Elkins turned on the switch, securing the victory via unanimous decision. Now, I wanted to get into this. Um, really, Court McGee and, and Robert Whitaker, I expected it to, to end in an abrupt fashion. Also, they got to show CM Punk at cage side, which was pretty cool. Um, Court McGee looked really good in the second and third round. Whitaker, though... Secured that knockdown in the first round. So I thought we were going 
into possibly a split decision. And that's exactly how it turned out as Court McGee took his fight via split decision. Uh, very good fight. Extremely, extremely competitive. Um, Ultimate Fighter winner Kelvin Gastelum took on Brian Melancon. Gastelum not making any any mistakes whatsoever in his submission victory, rear naked choke in the first round. Gastelum definitely looked good at 170. Um, very impressed, of course. This guy coming in, um, yeah, he was an underdog for the season of the Ultimate Fighter. Took the the Ultimate Fighter title from Uriah Hall. Went on to just make a name for himself. Now we'll see how he fares, but. Definitely looked good at 170. That rear naked choke was quick and impressive and extremely tight. Now, Donald Cowboy Cerrone and Rafael Dos Anjos had a had a war. Um, that's one thing I've always said about Cowboy Cerrone. He always goes out there and delivers some incredible fights. Always violent, always on point, and it didn't disappoint in the least. On the contrary, I I was rooting for Cerrone, but. Um, not, I'm not taking anything away from Rafael Dos Anjos. He looked really good in that fight. Um, it could have gone either way. I was shocked that it was, you know, 29-28 across the board. I kind of thought that it was going to be a little closer. Maybe we were going to get at least... I want to say Cerrone definitely took round two. And a lot of people were saying that Cerrone took round three as well. I was a little torn with that. That's why I was saying it could have gone either way. But the loss definitely doesn't hurt Cowboy. It was a close loss. And I'm sure we'll see him back fighting again at 155 sooner rather than later. So let's get into Carlos Condit and Martin Kampman, which was tremendous, tremendous fight from start to finish. Carlos Condit looking to make a, a, a serious case to challenge for the belt once again at 170. Took the fight from... Martin Campman in the fourth round. Um, it was crazy because when Campman came out, he went to shoot for the takedown immediately. Um, but Condit definitely was having none of that. He was actually stalking Campman, landed a really nice left hook, followed that up with some punches, but Campman weathered the storm, at which point Condit secured a beautiful tie clinch and just caught him with a knee and then a left to the body. And when Campman went down, it was academic at that point. Carlos Condit takes the fight via TKO. 54 seconds in round four. Of course, if you were following the fight on Twitter and you've been following it the last couple of days, you will know that Ben Askren actually challenged Carlos Condit. So definitely an intriguing fight. If we see Ben Askren in the UFC, I'd love to see him fight Carlos Condit. Not only that, but of course, this weekend, Henderson Pettis 2. It's going to be an awesome weekend for MMA, and I am looking forward to it. And of course, next week, right after Labor Day, the next season of The Ultimate Fighter begins Wednesday night, so it's, it's, it's a great week for MMA fans. Now, let's get into the MMA news for this week, of which there are quite a few to discuss. It seems that there are a couple of people in the Blog Talk Radio chat. Uh, listen, guys, do me a favor. If you are in that chat, the audio quality is substantially better. If you go to mtrlive.com, oh, okay, the, per- the people left, so there you have it. And any of you guys listening via the Mixler chat, do yourselves a favor, go into the chat if you're listening on mtrlive.com and get involved there as well. Oh, seems they left from there also. I guess everybody's finally in the chat. They're getting the hang of it. Good. Makes me feel better and gives Slick less stuff to do. Anyway, so let's talk about fight bonuses. $50,000 was given out. Uh, Brandon Thatch took KO of the night, which I'm shocked. 
but it was definitely impressive. Zach Cummings took submission of the night, and I thought actually they were going to give it to Kelvin Gastelum. And Carlos Khan and Martin Campman took fight of the night honors. $50,000 bonuses dispensed for those guys. So solid night of work. And like I said, we got UFC 164 this weekend, plus the Ultimate Fighter coming up, plus UFC Fight for the Troops. It's a lot of, lot of cards that we got to announce. But before we get into that, got to talk a little Bellator first. Bellator 100 goes down September 20th at the Grand Canyon University Arena in Phoenix. The main card will see Douglas Lima taking on Ben Saunders. That's the Season 8 Welterweight Tournament Final. Also, they will be opening the next Welterweight Tournament with Matthew Riddle taking on Lewis Mello, Mark Scanlon taking on Herman Torado, Brent Weedman is going to meet Justin Baseman, and Vaughn Anderson will be taking on John War Machine Copenhaver. That is the next welterweight tournament, and those are the opening rounds. The prelims, as always, will air on Spike.com, and you can see those prelims on MyTakeRadio.com as well. Not only was Bellator 100 finalized, but 101 is coming together as well. That one's going down September 27th, and that's going to start the opening rounds of the Bellator Lightweight Tournament. Also, as always, the prelims on Spike.com or on MyTakeRadio.com as well. One fight that I'm actually extremely excited for was that the UFC announced that Josh Koscheck will be taking on Tyron Woodley at UFC 167. Koscheck was coming off that knockout loss against Robbie Lawler at UFC 157, and, I mean, um... Koscheck was coming off the knockout from Robbie Lawler, and Woodley was coming off the split decision loss to Jake Shields at UFC 161. That card's actually going down November 16th. Um, also on that card, Rory McDonald's taking on Robbie Lawler, and Johnny Hendricks, of course, will be hoping to derail the one and only George St. Pierre. Definitely a solid night of fights. I'm really pumped for that Koscheck T. Wood fight. I think that's a fight that can get either one of these guys into contention. In T. Wood's case, especially if he has a dominant performance, he may probably get one more fight that may put him into title contention. So, one guy who a lot of people have been talking about for the last couple of weeks has been Conor McGregor, and um, he was just insane at UFC Fight Night 26, and um, he's actually now injured suffered an ACL tear during his fight with Max Holloway. He is now on the shelf for at least 10 months, which is ridiculous. Um, McGregor said that he felt his knee popped in the second round, but he didn't think it was that bad. So there you have it, out 10 months. The goal now is to have McGregor back in the octagon by the Manchester card in October. We'll see what happens. I personally think that, that that's a huge injury. And he's going to need a lot more time. Not only that, but an ACL tear is something that even when you recover right away, there's still some residual effects we know based on everybody watching the GSP fight. But not everybody's GSP. And McGregor definitely wants to go in there and bang. And who can blame him? He's definitely very impressive. Talks a good talk. Definitely knows how to engage and start beef on social media. Definitely no harm in that. All right, so... Another card that's coming together, UFC Fight Night 31, that's Fight for the Troops. That's going down November 6th. A lot of great fights on that card, including Tim Kennedy and Lyoto Machida, which I'm definitely pumped to see. Also, Lorenz Larkin, Chris Camozzi, Jorge Masvidal is going to be meeting Rustov Kabilov and Seth Bozinski, Neil Magny, and Ronnie Marks and Yoel Romero. Again, UFC Fight Night 31, that's Fight for the Troops, goes down November 6th. Also, the women will be taking center stage in front of our 
Nation's Armed Forces as Sarah Kaufman will be taking on recently signed Jessica I, who will be debuting at UFC 166. Actually, wait. Yes. Let me let me correct myself. UFC 166 is October 19th. That's where those ladies will be competing. But Francisco Rivera and George Roop will be meeting at UFC Fight Night 31 fight for the troops. There you have it. A uh, little mistake on my part. My apologies. But there you go. Just to clarify things, Kaufman and Jessica I at 166 and Francisco Rivera and George Roop at Fight Night 31 fight for the troops. Also announced for that card, Dennis Bermudez will be facing Nick Lentz and Michael Chiesa will be facing Colton Smith. Again, November 6th at Fort Campbell in Kentucky. Definitely pumped for that Lyoto Machida-Tim Kennedy fight. As of right now, I'm not sure if it's going to be on Fox Sports 1, but it's almost a guarantee that it is. At this point, Fox Sports 1 should just be called the UFC Network just because that's what pretty much it has become. Don't get me wrong. I've been seeing some of their other programming. It's not bad. I think that in order for Fox Sports 1 to leverage itself against ESPN and SportsCenter, they're going to need to not only expand their UFC offerings, but try and get more fights out there and try and get some of that existing uh, legacy programming on there. Maybe some of the old UFC cards, maybe UFC's, you know, like UFC 10, UFC 12, those events, just to get people buzzing. Uh, Best of Pride should be on there as well. And, um... Seriously, I think that that's one of the things that's missing from that network, but it's just starting out. I know a couple of guys that saw the the first card on Fox Sports 1 were really impressed with the camera work. That one HD camera that they were using that they showed primarily during that Chael Sonnen um, Shogun Hua fight was ridiculous. Um, it was crazy because the, the camera angle when I first saw it, it really tripped me out only because the TV I use, I use a um, Sony... 240 hertz television is 240 hertz out of the box goes up to 480 with motion flow so i had the motion flow on and it was just it it, it looked like a soap opera it was so crazy because they it's not a camera angle they show often and it was a, a little grainy but it was just grainy because it was so i i guess the high definition was just probably because i should have turned the motion flow on was really overpowering and it was a crazy crazy camera angle but fox sports one definitely is stepping it up with their broadcast quality. And I think that going forward, we're going to be seeing a lot better uh, camera work and a lot better features being utilized for the broadcast on that network. I did want to throw out there um, UFC fight night 28. That's happening the night that the ultimate fighter season 18 starts. And the way it's going to work is that event will go down as follows. You're going to have the prelims on Facebook at five o'clock. That's um, Yvonne George taking on Keith Wisniewski and Sean Spencer and Yuri Villafort. Now, the prelims on Fox Sports 1 will begin at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, and then the main card will begin at 8 o'clock. That card has um, Ryan Bader and Glover Teixeira as your main event. Your co-main is Yushin Okami and Ronaldo Jacare Souza. Now, right after that, you're going to get the season of the Ultimate Fighter Tough 18, which will air at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So just so we're clear, you're going to get UFC on Fox Sports 1, which is Fight Night 28, September 4th. The Ultimate Fighter will debut at 11 o'clock. So when you tune into that channel expected to see the Ultimate Fighter earlier, you're not going to get that. You're going to get that card first, and then the Ultimate Fighter will follow. So 
there you have it. Last bit of news I wanted to get out of the way. Dan Henderson, Vitor Belfort will be facing off at um, UFC Fight Night 32, November 9th in Brazil. That's going to be a five-round fight, and it's going to be taking place at light heavyweight. Of course, these guys met back in Pride, in Pride 32, and in that fight, Henderson won their that fight via unanimous decision in 2006. So, of course, a lot of questionable things about Vitor fighting in Brazil. It is what it is. I'm definitely looking forward to see it. Both guys got incredible KO power. Dan Henderson with that H-bomb primed and ready, and Vitor, you know, his jaw, his jaw is a little questionable after that um, teep kick from Anderson Silva knocked him out, but it is what it is. Um, Czech Congo has a new home. He is officially signed with Bellator. He will be part of the season nine heavyweight tournament. So Czech Congo finds himself a new home with Bellator. Now, for those of you that were pumped with Chael Sonnen and Vanderlei Silva and all the shit talking that was going to happen, I am sad to report that we are not getting that fight anytime soon because Vanderlei is actually injured. Um, he's probably not going to be ready to fight till at minimum January. Chael Sonnen wants to fight at the UFC 20th anniversary card, and all signs are pointing towards him and Mr. Wonderful Phil Davis locking up. So definitely pumped for that. I am, um, I'm really looking forward to that fight. Either way, I think Mr. Wonderful Phil Davis is extremely talented, but Chael is fucking Chael, and his wrestling is on point. And how can you not root for the American gangster? He goes in there, talks a lot of shit, backs it up when he can. And um, best of all, it's it's a fight that's just going to be exciting. Of, of course, the fan in me, the hardcore fan, wanted to see Chael and Vanderlei mix it up because that fight is just, it, it, that's a God-tier fight any way you slice it. If old-school Vanderlei comes in there, he's going to go in there and possibly be the first UFC fighter to execute a fatality in the octagon. Meanwhile, Chael is going to go in there and do what he's got to do. Either way, I couldn't root against any one of those guys. Simple as that. Last but not least, and it's a great lead into our wrestling segment, it seems that Stefan Bonner is interested in getting into professional wrestling. seems that he actually wants to pursue a career with WWE and not pro wrestling as a whole. So Stefan Bonner looking to make the jump to professional wrestling. I think that... If anything, he better head on down to that WWE Performance Center and see if he can get himself scouted. One thing, obviously, him pissing hot with steroids is something that they're definitely going to be looking at closely. Don't get me wrong. We know that the drug testing in professional wrestling is always, you know, even though WWE does wellness, I sometimes feel that certain guys kind of skirt wellness, but... Obviously, that's my opinion, and that's not really something that's been discussed, but that's something I personally feel. In any event, Stefan Bonner wants to get into professional wrestling. I wouldn't mind that. I think that Stefan Bonner would do well. He's a showman, extremely entertaining, and I think he has the personality for wrestling. But honestly, if there's any guy right now in the UFC that would make a, an excellent transition to wrestling, it would be the one and only um, American gangster himself, Chael Sonnen, primarily because he knows how to work the crowd, knows how to work the mic, has an impressive amateur background. And if if you guys know, these guys that come in with these amateur wrestling backgrounds, nine times out of ten are always gems. Um, You look at Kurt Angle, you look at Brock Lesnar, you look at the world's greatest tag team. All these guys, they come in, they found tremendous success, and the basis of, you know, high-end collegiate wrestling and Olympic wrestling are skills that just can't be ignored. So... Who knows? We'll see. Maybe um, 
chair. I mean, maybe Stefan will make the jump. Who knows? But WWE is always looking for talent. But if anybody should make that jump, it should definitely be Chael. All right. So that's actually going to wrap up this week's MMA segment. It went a little faster than usual, primarily because in the span of four and a half hours, I drank three different cans of Monster Energy, which I pretty much like to call the Dark Side Bundle because I drank a white can, a blue can, and a Monster Energy Zero can. So there you have it. The Dark Side Bundle is probably making me sound like I'm speaking at 100 miles an hour, but it is what it is. Anyway, let's get into some wrestling because there is a ton of stuff to discuss. Let's take it away, shall we? We want the gold, sucker! Hulk Hogan, we coming for you, nigga! Yes, sir, we promised you a great main event here tonight. Look at that here! Andre! The giant Russell Radio! Everyone has a price, Russ! So, Monday Night Raw this week was, I don't want to say it was subpar, because there were certain things I that really were very good, which I'd like to get into some detail. Um, of course, Randy Orton gets the ball rolling, we get a brand new Escalade presented to the Viper, and uh, yeah. Anyway, so, um, you know, one of the things that I liked about that um, is... is it had shades of Stone Cold Steve Austin, and, I, and I'll get into why that happened. Because as soon as I saw the Escalade, I, I remembered Vince McMahon pulling up with his brand new Corvette and how that ended. And um, fact of the matter is, that's pretty much what I envisioned when Raw started this week. Anyway, Cody Rhodes took on the one and only Fandango. And uh, it was yeah, it was okay, you know... It was very short. Obviously, the distraction from The Miz as he was dancing with Rosa was uh, it was interesting, to say the least. Of course, that led to the one and only tag team match. Felt like Teddy Long was out there making it happen. And um tag team match wasn't bad. Uh, Cody Rhodes and The Miz secured the victory as The Miz hit the skull-crushing finale. Um, it, it went by so, so quickly. Definitely not digging Rosa Mendez with The Miz. I think it's... Uh, you know, after after her terrible work that she did with the Goya brothers, Rosa Mendez should focus just on wrestling, not so much on um, valeting because she's she's really not that good at it. But um, anyway, so CM Punk, of course, got himself into a little match with Curtis Axel, which we all knew was um, destined to end in shenanigans. But it actually ended with CM Punk securing the victory with the go to sleep. And it was weird because this match, it was there. There was definitely shades of brilliance in this match. Curtis Axel was he's okay. I just feel that he's still trying to find himself within his gimmick. And when I say that, it's because you have a lot of guys. They come in, they have no gimmick but tremendous wrestling. The wrestling ends up outshining the the lack of charisma that they have and makes them a hot commodity. See Chris Benoit. Even even Daniel Bryan to a degree, but he found his voice, and look how successful he is. I think Curtis Axel is in that that gray area where he, he has great wrestling technique, great pedigree, but just his charisma is fucking zero. I've seen better charisma from slugs than I've seen from, from Curtis Axel, and it sucks because he's, he's not a bad wrestler. 
It's just his gimmick as a whole, that charisma factor that he's supposed to have. He just doesn't have it. And it's and what's crazy is that there's a lot of guys that their wrestling is outshined by their charisma. And those guys, they, they, they get ahead, but eventually they get exposed when it comes to putting on high-quality matches. Curtis Axel puts on solid matches. He looked good in there with Luck. He looked good. He looked really good in there with CM Punk. On the contrary, I really thought that the match was going to end a little differently. But I will say that the way that it went down after the match was definitely good. You know, CM Punk uh, taking an ass-whooping. Because that's what it was. Just an epic ass-whooping. His back was ridiculously bruised and battered and chopped up. It was good, though. But the thing that gets me was that the storytelling that went into this match really picked up after the match was over. I I really expected a more competitive and more a deeper match. But it was redeemed with the post-match beatdown of CM Punk. And I think that that's where... Paul Heyman more so comes into play because Curtis Axel just looked ridiculous trying to be intense and it really tripped me out because it's um it it really just didn't work just from Curtis Axel trying to be intense it just Heyman made that segment Curtis to to preface what Jay Sandy said Jay Sandy said Ted DiBiase Jr should have been in that Curtis Axel role and to a degree I think he's right I think Ted DiBiase has that factor that would have worked. And his mic work was definitely better than Curtis Axel's, but we all know Ted DiBiase decided to voluntarily excuse himself from the WWE. And I I can't blame the guy considering how much talent and how much opportunity he had and how quickly it was squandered. It is what it is. I mean, and, and, and again, you know, Jay, Jay said, Paul took that angle, added more to it by, by, by 10. And it's true. Paul Heyman is the big factor here. Curtis Axel just, he needs Paul Heyman. If this was a feud between Punk and Axel be without Paul Heyman, it would, it would, it would suck. It really, really would suck. Anyway, we got to see this train wreck with Natalia taking on Brie Bella, which was complete shit more so because Brie Bella got the pin with the X factor. But the biggest news coming out of that entire chain of events was AJ Lee's pipe bomb. Because that's what that shit was. That, ladies and gentlemen, was a fucking pipe bomb that she unleashed on the Divas. It was ridiculous and well done. It was AJ Lee's CM Punk moment. Where they go from there is the big question. But you know what? Don't take my word for it. Check this out. We mentioned it SummerSlam. So let's fast forward through this match. Because the match was still in progress. Now you reverse Smiling up in Calgary right now. He's in the ring. There we go. Sending Natalia head first. Here's the cover. Putting to the leg. And Brie Bella picks up the win. Thanks in part to Nikki and Eva Marie. And your winner, Brie Bella. JoJo doing a great job holding her composure as all that action is going on. <laughs> Speaking of Divas, how about the Divas champion, AJ? Crazy. Didn't use that word around her. OMG, you guys. I just watched last night's episode of Total Divas, and it was insane. Oh, my gosh. I'm
mean, the Bellas were dealing with their obvious daddy issues. The Funkadactyls broke up and then got back together again. Natalia's fiance isn't much of a man. And the other two were also there. It, it was great. It really was. And it, it, it was it was the end of the world. And it's only Sunday nights on the E Network. Do you want to know what I see when I look in that ring? Honestly. A bunch of cheap, interchangeable, expendable, useless women. Women who have turned to reality television because they just weren't gifted enough to be actresses. And they just weren't talented enough to be champion. I have saved your divas division. I have shattered glass ceilings. I have broken down doors. Why? So, so a bunch of ungrateful, stiff plastic mannequins can waltz on through without even as much as a thank you? You guys can't even go backstage and shake my hand and look him in the eye because you know that I worked my entire life to get here. I gave my life to this and you were just handed 15 minutes of fame. I didn't get here because I was cute or because I came from some famous wrestling family or because I sucked up to the right people. I got here because I am good. I earned this championship. And no matter, no matter how many red carpets you guys want to walk in your $4,000 ridiculous heels, you will never be able to lace up my Chuck Taylors. You are all worthless excuses for women, and you will never be able to touch me. And that is reality. So... Let's let's think about this rationally. First off, AJ dropped an epic pipe bomb. And it's fantastic. It really was. Now, if you look at the way the ring was set up, think about it. You had the professional wrestlers, excluding JoJo and fucking Cameron, because they're 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 Barbie dolls too. And and I'm referencing Natalia and Naomi because, as you can see, Natalia had an angry look on her face. She didn't have to do that crazy girl from the hood. Yeah, you're not going to talk about like me like that. We're going to go down. It's We're going to set it off. You know what that reminded me of? The Bella Twins actually reminded me of Jada Pinkett in um, Low Down Dirty Shame because that's exactly where they really were coming off. It was like... You know, they were talking about all this shit, and I was like, what the fuck? Actually, you know what? 
better than better than saying it, check it out and you'll see for yourselves. But I know you won't let me keep this money. Besides, I told you I don't like being second. Bye, baby. I told you I would drop you where you stand. Are you talking shit now? That you're beat my Want some of this low moccasin? Come on! That's pretty much what I what I felt I was watching on television because that's what it the Bellas can't even act angry. They can't even sell being pissed off. And it and it just embarrasses me. And then you see then you see fucking wacky wild Kool-Aid style next to them, and she's trying to be all tough and yeah, you're not coming down. I'm like, yo, shut the fuck up. Shut up. Look mad. Shut your face. Like, 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 seriously, if I, if I had to hear that as like, I know Daniel Bryan, if he has to hear like whichever Bella he's dating, running her mouth like that, I'm sure he just takes his chin and dips it into her mouth. Like, yo, shut the fuck up. Shut up. You're killing the promo. You are sucking the energy out of the promo. You suck the, the talent out of John Cena to the point where he broke his elbow you suck the energy out of that entire promo. It's disgusting. It really was. Like, AJ, think about it. When CM Punk dropped his promo on John Cena on more than one occasion, John Cena sold it the way you're supposed to sell it. He dismissed it. He ho-hummed about it. But you know what he did first and foremost? He kept his fucking mouth shut. The Bellas don't you they can't even be ghetto cuz they don't they can't even be ghetto correctly. Yo, shut up. Th- this is what happened a couple of weeks back when they were sitting ringside doing commentary and and it was just cackle cackle cackle. That's all it was like, yo, shut your face, you fucking hens. Shut up. No, we're just blah blah blah. Yo, stop it. Stop it, because you're killing it. You know? And and Jay puts an interesting point in the chat. He says, that was done purposely because they didn't want her to shine like she did. Too bad it didn't work. You know what the thing is with that? I can understand that logic, Jay. But if Natalia had done something like that, it she would have made it look more natural. Like, the Bellas were forcing it. They were forcing it. They were forcing it. Like two girls fighting over a guy on Junction Boulevard in Queens. That's what that was. Or a a gaggle of high school girls fighting on the 7 train. Those were all New York references for those of you that don't live here. But seriously, it 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 was poorly done. It was poorly, poorly done. And it's like, I I felt that it could have just been better. It could have been better. Because... What the way that they separated both sets of divas, you knew that there was there was reasoning for it. And that's because the pros were in the ring and the bum bitches were outside. That's what it was. Do you honestly think that Kool-Aid Head is gonna make it longer than a year? 
She Randy Orton's single, she better start carrying his bags and letting him shit on her chest. Because other than that, I give her a year tops. Because she can't, she couldn't even sell the not knowing how to dance with, with Fandango. She, she just, it's crazy that she's not even on television and people hate her guts. And, and if you, if you follow Twitter, like, like I do, especially when they give Total Divas, you'll see it. Because the thing is, my wife, she watches Total Divas. I like to watch Twitter. I'll pop in on Twitter and I just see thousands upon thousands of people going, yo, that red haired girl sucks. It's true. She, she She's fucking terrible. She really is terrible. But um, the thing that gets me is that they put the they put the Bella Twins out there, and you guys heard me say this before. And they should create a feud between the Total Divas cast and and the and the and the rest of the Divas. I said that, and sure as shit, that's where they're going. My only issue with this entire angle is that you know for a fact that the Bellas are getting the fucking belt. Don't deny it. Accept it now, and know that the Bellas are going to get the belt. It's happening. Obviously not the injured one, because she's obviously injured, but the other one. I can't. I don't even know which is which. I know one has a tattoo over her box, and the other one has breast implants. Maybe the one with the box tattoo and the breast implants is the same chick. I have no fucking idea. I could care less. Honestly, I'll, I'll put it. I'll put it to you like this: P- guys that think the Bellas are hot don't get pussy. I'm sorry. It sounds crass. It sounds rude. Dudes that think the Bellas are 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 hotter than hot don't get laid. They spend a lot of times with their hand because let me tell you something. Living in New York City. I have seen dozens upon dozens of women better looking than the Bellas. You know what the redeeming factor of the Bellas is? That they are twins. So when you look at them, the first thing you think is, damn, I'd love to have a threesome with them two chicks. Any red-blooded male that, that you know, any red-blooded heterosexual male is going to think, yo, I'd love to have a threesome with some twins. Seriously. You know, I'm serious. Any, any guy that listens to this show has at one point in their life wondered what it was like to have a threesome with twins. Don't deny it. It's okay. Accept it. You know, pat yourself on the head, grab yourself a brew and go, damn it. He's right. Cause that's what it is. No problems. That's what the, that's what the redeeming factor of the Bellas. It's that they're twins. It's not that they're hot. If you've been watching WWE programming for as long as I have, you know that there have been countless, countless divas that are infinitely hotter than the Bellas. Infinitely hotter. All I got to say is Trish Stratus. Trish Stratus was hotter than the Bellas. Lita was hotter than the Bellas. You know what? You know what gets them, though? Like I said, the whole twin factor. That's all it is. Anything else... And they would be regular, run-of-the-mill, average chicks. Simple as that. There's there's no other way around it. Sunny, thank you. But I, here's here's what I'm I'm putting in there for you guys. It's like anybody that thinks that the Bellas were hotter than Trish Stratus. Look at the link in the fucking chat room. You're welcome. 
That's it. It's the allure of them being twins that makes them such a hot sell. Otherwise, they're regular. They're regular chicks. You know, you know where I see the Bellas working at Too Cute in Queen Center or working at whatever store that sells $5 and $10 clothes that girls wear to the club on Friday nights. That's where I see them. Hi, my name is Nikki. What are you looking for? You know? Seriously, like that's that's what the Bellas are. The Bellas are straight too cute sales chicks. Whatever $10 trashy store that, that sells like platform clear heels and tight lycra dresses is the store where the Bellas work. That's it. They're not they're not magma hot. So please, please wake up from that dream where the Bellas are hotter than any other chicks on the roster. You are wrong. You're wrong. Wrong. Seriously, Forever 21. Thank you, Jay Santi. That's what they are. The Bella Twins are representatives of Forever 21. That's that's where they were discovered. Because they're not wrestlers. They can't even be valets. Because they're just way too fucking annoying. They, 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 They suck. And here's the thing. I'm sure next week, somebody's gonna send me an email or a tweet and go, damn, Rich, why you gotta hate on the Bellas like that? I will tell you why. Because the WWE hype machine, meaning Vince McMahon's dick, is enamored with the fact that they're twins. Damn it, I want the twins on TV. But Vince, it's just Daniel Bryan and John Cena. They're gonna have a 60-minute Iron Man match. Damn it, put the Bellas out there. I don't care if they're on commentary. Do it or you're fired. Like, like seriously, Vince is so enamored with the fact that they are twins that he's lost sight of anything else. The fact that you let talented divas like Beth Phoenix leave your organization voluntarily, not because of injury or not because of anything else, but voluntarily shows where your priorities lie. And here's the thing. WWE is catering to the to the female demographic and they're getting a new audience for E. I don't have a problem with that. I don't. My problem is the fact that you sweep under the rug girls like Caitlyn and AJ, who, who, without this promo, would probably still be playing second banana to these Forever 21 too cute sales clerks. It's an embarrassment. You mean to tell me that Sarah Del Rey, Caitlyn, AJ, Awesome Kong, Beth Phoenix, Natalia can't carry an organization? Are you are you kidding me? You mean to tell me that ODB, who's in TNA, would not work in WWE? She can wrestle. She's a little trashy looking, but we 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 like our girls trashy sometimes. That's okay. That's part of the personality of having different types of women on your roster. I can't, I have to agree with what AJ said. It's like a factory of fucking Barbie dolls. That's what it is. Think, think of, think of Kelly Kelly. Think of when Kelly Kelly threw a clothesline. I'm sorry, but I've got, I've, I've been in a ring once or twice and I know how to take a basic back bump. And if a chick who you are going to put the women's, the women's title on can't take a back bump and is only good at taking it from the back. I don't need them on my fucking television. I'm sorry. Don't get me wrong. Kelly Kelly's incredibly beautiful. Incredibly beautiful. I'm not taking anything away from her. 
but to make her the face of your organization without the most basic, basic understanding of wrestling and storytelling is an embarrassment. It's an embarrassment, it is. How does TNA, with a roster of, I don't know, six knockouts, put on better matches than WWE's Divas? And that's not to say that WWE doesn't have the talent. They do. That's the sickening part. They got Naomi, they got AJ, they got Caitlyn, they got Paige who's waiting for the call-up, they got Natalia. Hell, even Alicia Fox can get it done in the ring. Don't talk to me about Cameron, because Cameron, another chick. Cameron, Cameron's the type of chick that you bump into her waiting for you to buy a drink at the club, and she'll stand next to you if you pull out a hundred. That's the kind of chick that she is. She really does look like that kind of a chick. She's there because she's pretty, and that's it. And because WWE, let's not kid ourselves, let's talk about, let's take it into racial territory, they realize we need more, we need more African-American and Hispanic divas. We need more divas to connect with our, with our audience. They can't all be blonde-haired and blue-eyed and tan because it just doesn't connect with our audience. So you got to throw women in there that people can relate to on some level. It is what it is. I, I don't understand how ODB got cut from WWE. So did Angelina Love. They go to TNA. They do fairly well because Angelina Love did pretty fucking well in TNA. And, and and WWE doesn't even give them a second look. Like, they're so in charge. They're, they're, they, they believe their own hype so much that they can create new stars from these Playboy centerfolds that they're, that they're losing sight of the fact that there are dozens upon dozens of talented women there. You mean to tell me that, that Katrina, who was Winter, who was, you know, Paul Burchill's sister, can't come in there and get it done? You mean to tell me Rain... Can't get it done. You're you guys are serious. You can't tell me that some of the ladies from Shimmer can't get it done. Evilise Velez can't get it done in the ring. It's it's insane. It's fucking insane to me what's happened with the Divas division. Yes, I understand. They got to be beautiful. They got to be mainstream ready. They got to go on the red carpet. I, I rest assured, I understand that. But when you overshadow your natural talent that makes people tune in because they're beautiful and they can wrestle, we have a problem. I understand Total Divas is a big selling point. It's a new audience, but you're, you're burying these, these talented women that you have. And what's going to end up happening is they're going to leave and they're going to find success in other organizations based on the one intangible that got them there. Wrestling. Simple as that. Anyway. Christian took on Randy Orton in a pretty academic match, which we know ended with Randy Orton putting us to sleep for 20 minutes and then hitting the RKO after a poke to the eye. Yes, that did happen. Titus O'Neil with Darren Young took on Jack Swagger, of course, with Antonio Cesaro and Zeb Coulter. I expected some sort of, um, you know, anti-gay rhetoric from Zeb Coulter, and it happens. It happens. I, you know, Zeb Coulter, like I've always said, is the, is the voice of Vince McMahon. You know how CM Punk is supposed to be the voice of the voiceless? Zeb Coulter is the voice of Vince McMahon's racist, stereotypical undertones. And I am shocked. And you know what? I commend them. I commend WWE for not 
going into that territory. I commend them. Thus far, thus far, they've done a really great job with Titus O'Neil and Darren Young, not making Darren Young's homosexuality any kind of a focal point, any kind of a crutch, nothing. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with it. I'm happy with it. I'm happy that those guys are getting showcased on television. Titus O'Neil and Darren Young, they have something to offer the business. And honestly, I think if you give them enough time, and I'm sure they'll break them up down the road, you could probably, Titus O'Neil can probably be a very viable mid-carder. So can Darren Young individually. I'm 100% honest. As for the real Americans, I think that the whole reason why they do it is because they got to give Jack Swagger something to do. Because seriously, Jack Swagger, for all his wrestling pedigree, is just a bland, vanilla son of a bitch. He is. Everybody's like, yeah, man, that guy's the next Kurt Angle. No fucking way. No way is that happening. No way. And poor Antonio Cesaro, he's got to play along with this gimmick, even though Antonio Cesaro can, can carry a program and a feud on his own. You pigeonhole this guy into this anti-American gimmick even when he was on his own and then now when you put him with Zeb you want to amplify that more so to the point where you're doing it at the expense of not giving Antonio Cesaro his just due you mean to tell me Antonio Cesaro couldn't challenge for the IC belt you mean Antonio Cesaro couldn't start turning face and challenge Dean Ambrose for the US title and have a 4 star and 5 star match with Ambrose you're insane Seriously, insane. Anyway, we get a little Wyatt family angle, Night of Champions setup. Daniel Bryan and the Gauntlet takes on Seth Rollins. And of course, of course, Seth Rollins gets the most time in that match, in a match that was, once again, tremendous. Tremendous. It really was. Um, Daniel Bryan, of course, right went right into his match with Dean Ambrose. And um, he won via DQ. Then, of course, the Shield interrupt for the other DQ. Orton comes out. Murder, death, kill. And um, RKO to Daniel Bryan. Academic. It is what it is. So, um, you know, it's funny that they're really kind of going in this whole us against them mentality with Triple H and Randy Orton and the McMahons against, like, the superstars. It's, um, you know, it, it's crazy that, you know, I'm sure that they they did it for a reason that nobody helped Brian, but the us against them storyline can, can lead to something very, very good if done correctly. Because honestly, I think there are certain superstars that Triple H should, should pluck out and kind of make guys that he believe are, are representatives of being the face of the company. And those guys should in turn feud with Daniel Bryan. He should acknowledge the Shield as such. He should acknowledge Randy Orton as such. Maybe you want to throw Sandow in there just to kind of give him something to do. You know, guys like that to kind of just keep the storyline progressing. Because honestly, if you have Daniel Bryan whoop the Shield's ass every week, it's going to get old very, very quickly. What you want to do is kind of give Daniel Bryan an uphill battle, an uphill climb. But you want to allow him to showcase his talent against some very talented superstars. And I think Triple H can do that. Kind of like Paul Heyman has his Heyman guys. Triple H, you know, management can have their guys. And you can kind of put them out there and really showcase their skills against a guy like Daniel Bryan. It can't just be Daniel Bryan getting beat down every week or Daniel Bryan whooping the Shields ass every week. 
It, there needs to be more than that. I understand you want to keep him and Orton separate, but you you got to have a little bit more in there. That's all I'm saying. Just a little bit more meat to the story to really balance it out. As for Raw, it was... if I, I'd honestly have to say out of a 10, I'd probably say it was about a 5.5 or a 6 if I had to put a rating on it. Because, like I said, there were there were factors in there that were, you know, they weren't that good. But they were redeemed in some points. Like I said, AJ Lee's pipe bomb definitely helped. Um, above all else, I think that it, it moved that story along in a direction that hopefully, if done right, can lead to some passable matches. I think the only good matches we're probably going to see are AJ and Naomi and AJ and Natalia. But who knows? I could be wrong. Anyway, let's get into some of the other wrestling news for this week because there are quite a few to discuss. Um, it seems that Ryback is actually in line to being turned face after his bully angle is his bullying angle is complete. That seems to be what a lot of internet websites are speculating. I personally feel that Ryback's face push should have continued and done as cliched as it is. You should have done it the way that Goldberg's push was done, not have him speak have him go out there and and decimate guys and then at the right moment just have him get involved into a bigger program that could lead to something better the problem with Ryback was you had all this fire behind him all this all this madness and then you turn him into a heel in the shittiest way possible if you wanted to really pull the trigger on Ryback and make him a heel you should have put him with Heyman you should have put him with Heyman to the point where, where you know, Ryback drank the Kool-Aid, so to speak, and aligned himself with Paul Heyman. Because I think that that would have worked out better than him just turning the corner and being mad that John Cena didn't wipe his ass for him. That's just me. Now, turning him face is good, but you got to have good reason to turn him face because right now this bullying angle is just, it's just complete terror. It's complete terror. I don't know what the hell is going on with that, but we shall see what happens. Huh. What the hell is all that in the chat? That's weird. Maybe I leaned on the mouse or something. There's a wall of text in the chat that it looks like I pasted it in there. I think maybe I leaned on the mouse from the previous link I clicked. I pasted in there that maybe that's why there's a huge wall of text. I apologize that you guys had to look at that, but... um. That's what happens. You get so mad, you lean on the cursor, and shit happens. Anyway, so I did want to switch gears a bit and talk about John Cena. Of course, he is out on the shelf. Uh, you know, he's on the shelf with the with the elbow injury. He got the surgery done. Um, estimates are four to six months for him to come back. And a lot of websites have speculated that John Cena actually was telling the truth with doctors advising him not to wrestle at SummerSlam. And also they're saying that Cena actually insisted on working the pay-per-view and putting over Daniel Bryan before he had to leave for the four to six month recovery time for his injury. If that is true, John Cena definitely is a class act and he he want, he put Daniel Bryan over cleanly and I got to commend that. Sure, you could talk about the shenanigans after the fact, but he did beat John Cena clean and Cena definitely... Um, really put Brian over in that match. He took a lot of great offense. He took a lot of awesome spots. He made Brian look like a million bucks. If this is true, definitely, you know, props to John Cena for doing the right thing. 
Vince McMahon's birthday was this past weekend. He turned 68 years old. The genetic jackhammer is 68 years old. Damn it. I'm going to fight father time to the death in a steel cage match. Ric Flair, your body looks like silly putty. Seriously. (laughs) Uh, Vince McMahon is 68 years old. I'm telling you, HGH and steroids at 68, fuck it. I'll take it if I look like Vince. Holy shit. Meanwhile, The Rock's dad, Rocky Johnson, had turned 69 years old, and he actually looks 69 years old. Still in shape, but not on the, uh, you know, the Vince McMahon juiced-up HGH shape, but it is what it is. So, a couple of things I got to wrap up wrestling-wise. If you're looking to watch uh, WWE NXT and you have Hulu+, Plus. You can actually check out episodes of NXT on Hulu Plus and see some of the great superstars of tomorrow and get acquainted with some of them because there's a couple of guys down there, Leo Kruger, Cassius Ohno, um, Conor O'Brien, a lot of guys that definitely can um, can get the call up. You know, it, it Definitely give NXT a shot. So if you have Hulu Plus, go and look for WWE NXT there. Of course, YouTube is also your friend, but... If you want to watch it on the big screen, look for it on Hulu+. Plus. We got some DVD and Blu-ray release dates for a couple of WWE DVDs and Blu-rays. Triple H's Thy Kingdom Come DVD and Blu-ray will be dropping September 24th. Goldberg, The Ultimate Collection will be available October 8th. I'll probably be picking that up. Uh, the Money in the Bank Anthology is October 29th. The History of the WWE is November 19th. And also SummerSlam 2013, if you want to pick that up, you can bag that September 17th. And they're also releasing Legends of the Mid-South on September 10th. So, if you were on our Facebook fan page, I'm sure you were seeing Jay Santee's commentary on TNA Impact. As always, he does that every Thursday, along with SmackDown commentary every Friday. So, one of the interesting things that came out of TNA this week was an interview that Eric Bischoff did with Slam Magazine. Now, a couple of things he talked about I want to reference, um, you know, the state of TNA, the internet wrestling community, and um, the biggest thing I want to discuss is the internet wrestling community, and I want to actually direct this statement at Jay Santee, of course, being one of the guys that reports on wrestling for us and covers the business along with myself and Quark and Blade. Um, Very interesting statement that he that he issued with regards to the internet wrestling community he said the following and i quote unfortunately the internet the dirt sheets the blogs whatever you want to call them a lot of them are operating with partial information and that hurts a lot of the different parties involved it hurts the talent in certain aspects it hurts the business in certain aspects it hurts the credibility of the people who write about things that they don't fully understand it's unfortunate but that's the nature of the business now Here's the thing with with this particular statement. Eric Bischoff feels that the internet wrestling community affects wrestling more than I feel it does. To a degree, I feel he's right, but here's the thing. The internet wrestling community, to a degree sometimes, is the voice of the superstars who can't speak for themselves. We're talking about, you know, the, the Daniel Bryans. We're talking about the Cassius Onos, the Antonio Cesaros. We're talking about the Primo and Epicos of this business. This is the thing. 
The fact of the matter is that the internet changed the way we consume content. It's not just about wrestling. We get, we're so connected. We know about guest appearances on shows before they drop, casting before it happens, you know, spoiler alerts for TV shows, season finales, the works. We are a connected society in 2013. Do you want to know why the wrestling business gets hurt by the internet sometimes? Because sometimes the wrestling business needs to be called out on their bullshit. They do. Do you think that fans were okay and sat idly by when Daniel Bryan lost the belt after getting his crowning achievement? No. But you know what what purpose that served to the WWE marketing machine? They realized that the fans were invested in Daniel Bryan to the point where we need to make this guy a focal point of our stories because the fans are enamored with him. You know who you can thank for that? The internet. You know all those trending topics that WWE trots out in front of television all the time? Yeah, that's the internet making that shit happen. You know Zack Ryder getting over on YouTube and getting We Want Ryder chants in arenas across the country? You know who you can thank for that? The internet. You know who you can thank for, for, for voicing the opinions that wrestlers can't about Hulk Hogan, his no-talent daughter, your stupid no-talent son, and the creative direction of TNA? You know who does that? Who speaks for the, for the wrestlers? We do. The fans. Simple as that. We do it because we actually give a fuck about what we consume. Yes, to a point sometimes we're a little jaded or a little angry. Sometimes we, 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 we spout misinformation. But this is why, me personally, I don't report on wrestling stories. I don't report on them. Because of that reason, because I don't want to go and say, hey, I got the story from the Wrestling Observer, who got the story from Raja, who got the story from 411 about John Cena having a three-way with the Bella Twins and Kane and a a hot poker and marshmallows and hot chocolate. Sorry, I got to file a retraction because that was all a lie. That's why I don't do that. I don't report on wrestling. That's not what we do here. You know what we do? We share our opinions we give our take, we, 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 we are passionate about the business because we want the business to succeed. That's what I do. I don't report on wrestling news. That's why a couple of guys, they'll be like, hey, Rich, why didn't you report, you know, that Lex Luger said that Sting should go to WWE? Because I don't, I don't give a shit. We all know that. We all know Sting is bound for, for the WWE at some point. Why do I need to report that? Nobody's going to give a shit. It's on 25 other sites. No one cares. You know what people care about? Top 10 tag team finishers, which I shared on the site and got reshared like 50 times today. That's what people want to read. People want to know who the face and heel of the week is and why we think that. That's what people care about. People care about what we think about House of Glory's last show. Or why certain segments of Raw needed to be buried. Or why certain instances of SmackDown had to be buried as well. Or why the fuck AJ is all of a sudden a face if he was a heel two weeks ago and there's really no clear explanation. You know who who explains that shit? We do. 
The fans do. So for Eric Bischoff to talk about that, it hurts the business. You know what hurts the business? Old motherfuckers that don't know when to hang it up. Hulk Hogan, we're looking at you. That's what hurts this business. Guys that don't want to put over younger and more hungry talent. That's what hurts this business. Fucking bullshit. All the internets, the the, the dirt sheets, the blogs. Oh, they hurt the business. Oh, my God. Oh, it's the end of fucking days. You know who spoiled Mick Foley winning the belt? It wasn't the fucking internet. It was you on Monday Nitro. You fucking bastard. Think about it. Think about it. Where was Twitter when Mick Foley won the belt? Where was Twitter back then? Where was Facebook? Where were the blogs? You know where the blogs were? On GeoCities. That's where the fucking blogs were. AOL chat rooms. That's where that's where the action was back then. ASL. ASL, mama was going on pick for pick. Who spoiled Mick Foley winning the title? You did. You silly bastard. And you're up here blaming the internet, blaming bloggers, blaming people on Twitter for the shortcomings of this business. The shortcomings of this business are the fault of creative and fuckers like you and Hogan. What happened years ago when they were publishing the wrestling newsletter and, and, and giving it out in locker rooms? What, what happened? Who are you blaming back then? You know, who are you blaming back then? When stuff got out. Because I remember when Mick Foley won the belt. Do you know how I knew about it that I switched the channel? Because of Nitro. It wasn't because we were talking about it in school. Because somebody pulled it up on their two-way. On their Motorola two-way pager. Or on their Sony Ericsson green screen phone. Wasn't that. Maybe it was, you know, 43770. And then the spoiler of the night on your pager. Get the fuck out of here. Antiquated ass shit. Instead of burying the internet community, embrace it. Because you know what? We're the guys that fight for you. We fight for the Daniel Bryans, the Antonio Cesaros, the Seth Rollins, the Natalias, the AJ Lees. We do that. It's not the Hogans. It's not the Bischoffs. It's not those guys. Never was. You want to know the best example of that? WCW. Why isn't WCW around anymore? Oh, yeah, that's right. Because you guys just pissed away money left and right. Because you thought that that the fans were completely clueless. The fans aren't clueless, dude. On the contrary, you've become antiquated. Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Pinterest... You name it, LinkedIn, everything. Everything has a purpose in this business. You know that WWE had a job for a writer for creative on LinkedIn? Do you, can you believe that? That's, that's the kind of industry we live in. Where you can apply for a job at a company that you followed for years with the right experience. Because it's on a social media network. You know how hard it was back in the day to try and get a job in WWE or WWF? You had to know somebody that knows somebody else that knows somebody else. Now, you got the credentials, you got the resume to back it up. Who knows? You might work for WWE. 
Oh, but you know, it's the internet's fault that the product sucks. Fuck out of here. It's a bullshit. Oh, and don't even talk about Garrett. Here's what he had to say about Garrett, which was priceless. I'm extremely proud of him. I'm very, very proud. It was it was a goal of his, something he'd wanted to do since he was extremely young as a child growing up, which I didn't really find out about until a few years ago when he broke into the business. Oh, really? Broke into the business? You mean when you opened the door for him and shoved him in? I'm very proud of him for working hard to do what he's needed to do. Clearly, he had an advantage. He had an advantage in getting into the business. No shit. I think everybody understands that, and I'd be lying if I had... If I said I didn't think that was a factor, but he also had to overcome a lot because of who he is and because of who I am. And he's handled that really well. But there's a part of me that knows, and I tell him this, this is an extremely difficult business, more difficult now than it's ever been. There's really only one big place to work and TNA is what TNA is and where they are. It's a tough career choice when there are really only two car manufacturers and ones in mass production. So basically Eric Bischoff just said, in essence, that dude, TNA is the fucking minor leagues and you got to get to the WWE. That's really what he said. And here's my issue. I don't have a problem with Garrett Bischoff wrestling. But you know what? Like Jay said in the chat, he should have been on the independence, worked his way up, done it that way, booked himself differently than going from referee to the boss's son to you know, YMCA reject in aces and eights. We're beyond that. There's more to that. The indies are where you should hone your chops, hone your skills, get out of your father's shadow. Do you think Natalia, Tyson Kidd, David Hart Smith, all those guys, yeah, they did have a guaranteed foot in the door, but you know where they were first? Stampede Wrestling. That's where they were first. You know, and yeah, Shane, Shane McMahon, Slick, Slick brings up Shane McMahon. You know, you know what Shane McMahon, where Shane McMahon and Garrett Bischoff differ? Shane McMahon never made himself out to be a wrestler. That these are the facts. Shane McMahon never, ever played at being a wrestler. He played at being a guy who was the son of the boss who learned a couple of things along the way. That was always Shane McMahon. He was, he was, you know, he was the player coach. That's what he was. Garrett Bischoff wanted to come in, and you know, Garrett Bischoff came in, and they wanted to make him a, a part of storylines and all this shit. He should have been a blip on the radar, first and foremost. And I wouldn't have even booked him as the son of Eric Bischoff. You know. And and it's true. <laughs> Slick says he jumped clear across the ring and drop kicked the chair into someone's face. Exactly, but you know what that is? That's player coach. That Shane McMahon never walked around saying I'm a wrestler. I'm a wrestler. I'm a superstar. He was. I always looked at Shane McMahon as a player coach. He liked to go in there and mix it up. He got suplexed through a plate glass window by Kurt Angle. Who does that? You know. Yeah, he did try to act like he was a boxer. That, but but again, you know that was that, that was um that was all part of his his act his gimmick. But seriously, like Shane McMahon, I've always felt never apologized for being the son of Vince. He always was the son of Vince. You know, he he always was the son of Vince that wanted to go in there and mix it up with the big boys, and it was fun to watch. But you know what? The best part of it all was he never ever it was never forced. 
It was it was there. It was it was it was right. Like when they put him with Booker T and um you know, The Rock cut that promo where he's like Booker T hair like Whoopi, Shane McMahon still a pussy. Like like that kind of stuff worked. Like The Rock was the you know, The Rock made it work and Shane McMahon took some sick bumps getting thrown off the Titan Tron. Um like I said suplex through the plate glass window, countless countless crazy bumps. So did Vince. There's no better example of Vince getting his ass whooped than when he broke his tailbone in that same Valentine's Day massacre match with Stone Cold Steve Austin, where it was like a like like in in the arena with ladders and shit. Vince McMahon broke his tailbone in that match, and he and he didn't give a shit. And that's what it was like. Like there's a big difference between the Garrett Bischoff and a Shane McMahon because Shane McMahon does. Play, doesn't play at being a wrestler. Eric Bischoff plays at being Garrett Bischoff not only plays at being wrestler, but is booked on the basis of who he is. And that's my big problem. If Garrett Bischoff would have came up through the Indies and busted his ass and 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 got himself some good wrestling under his belt, I wouldn't feel so bad. But when he's like part of these big angles and aces and eights and all this shit, it's it just, it just, you could tell it's forced. And I got to agree with Slick. Slick was like, I think Vince went harder with Stone Cold than any real wrestler ever did. And that's what I'm saying. Garrett Bischoff's out there with Wes Briscoe and his little tight leather jacket, but he's not being tested. He's not getting killed out there. Oh, you know, that, that that's, that's Bischoff's kid. Be careful. You mean to tell me that nobody's gonna, that that you know Samoa Joe's not dropping him on his head like he drops everybody else because he knows he's Eric Bischoff's son? Don't fucking kid yourselves. Don't. And like I said, Eric Bischoff did a lot of good for this business, but sometimes he says shit like what he said about the wrestling community that it's just it just boggles my mind. It really does. Anyway. So, take this with a grain of salt, but if it's true, I am extremely extremely happy. Eddie Edwards and Davey Richards allegedly are no longer under contract with Ring of Honor. It is said that they will be reporting to the WWE Performance Center within within the next couple of weeks for an evaluation. I am very pumped for this. I think the American Wolves and WWE would be insane. Davey Richards is pretty much a a, a, a clone of Chris Benoit, right down to his 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 poor mic presence, but his incredible technical wrestling. I'll take it. I will take the American Wolves in the WWE. I think that they would do extremely well. Extremely well, whether together or separate. Those guys, as soon as those guys walk out on stage on NXT, people are going to lose their fucking minds. They are. It's 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 going to be it's going to be a problem. Yes, Jay Santi said it best. American Wolves in NXT will be scary. Dudes will be getting bona fide ass whoopings. From those guys, because those guys they hit and they hit hard. That 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 that's without question. Those guys are probably are some of the are deliver some of the stiffest shots in this business. Some of their matches in Ring of Honor, you're like, ow, that had to hurt. Like you see, like some of the chops and some of the kicks they do, and some of the spots, you just you just gotta cringe because you know in your heart of hearts that they hurt like hell. They really do. Anyway. That is actually the last bit of wrestling news that I got to report this week. Let's get into some video games because I know 
that there are a lot of you that have a lot to discuss about the 2DS and some of the gaming news for this week. So without further ado, let's get right into it. Finish him. All right, so let's get into the gaming news for this week, and there is quite a bit to discuss. Of course, uh, the PlayStation 4 launch date is official with November 15th in North America, November 29th in Europe. There is a listing that we actually shared on the site of preliminary launch titles, which will be released between November 15th and December 31st. Those titles are as follows. NBA 2K14, Call of Duty Ghosts, Skylanders Swap Force, Need for Speed Rivals, Battlefield 4, Dat Madden, FIFA 14, Killzone Shadowfall, Drive Club, Knack, Assassin's Creed Black Flag, Watch Dogs, Just Dance 2014, and Lego Marvel Super Heroes. Now, here's the thing. A lot of retailers are reporting that they're actually going to be offering upgrade programs. Um, Activision actually announced that they're going to do an upgrade program for people that buy Call of Duty Ghosts on the PlayStation 3 to upgrade to the PlayStation 4 version for $10. So there you have it. If you got the PS3 version, you buy yourself the PS4, you want to play it on next gen, $10 is all you need, and you'll be able to upgrade to the newest version. They're also going to be doing that with Assassin's Creed Black Flag. I haven't heard anything concrete for NBA 2K14, and I've heard conflicting reports that you'll be able to also do it with Madden. But I actually think that's a pretty cool move. You're gonna you're gonna definitely want to um, get on that if you're picking up a next gen system. I see that some people want to call in three four seven three two four three five four one is the call in number if you want to get in on the gaming conversation three four seven three two four three five four one. There you have it. Anyway. So definitely a step in the right direction for, I hope a lot of other companies do the same thing because there are some games that are falling in that gray area where they're coming out right before the next gen systems drop. I know our very own slick is going to be picking up a PlayStation four. I pre-ordered my PS four and I'll probably pick up an Xbox one as well at some point, obviously for myself and also for the show purposes as well. But either way, I think that, um, you know, I, it's a, it's a cool step in the right direction by companies. I think it's a it's incredibly generous on their part. Ten bucks is not going to kill anybody, and um, you know, it's it's definitely a classy move. I'm being told that there's uh, I know Waffles is going to be calling in. I know Slick is going to be calling in. So if you guys are calling in, definitely make sure to hit option one in the caller queue. Let Slick know you want to get on air, what you want to discuss, and I will bring you on board. Anyway, I want to talk about Killer Instinct because we all know that Killer Instinct is it has wowed audiences with its graphics, the way the characters look, and the whole free-to-play aspect of the game. But, like anything else, free-to-play has its pros and cons. Now, allow me to share some information with you. If you want to get additional characters for Killer Instinct, it is $4.99 per character, according to Xbox News. If you want, you can pick up the $19.99 Combo Breaker Pack, 
which will unlock seven characters, including two that won't be available for purchase elsewhere. So very, very interesting. So the game, it's free to play, but even for 20 bucks, you get seven characters out of the gate. Now, um, yeah, see, like Slick said, then the game is not free. So here's the, here's the kicker. There's also a $39.99 Ultra Edition of for the Xbox One, which is going to give you all the characters, new accessories, costumes, and the original Killer Instinct. So, basically, you get Killer Instinct for free. You get to play with Jago, just Jago, Jago by himself, Jago with no friends, Jago needs a hug. Yeah. That's, that's, that's in essence... How, how it works. You get the game, you get Jago, and then every other guy you want to get, Chief Thunder, Saberwolf, Riptor, Idol, whoever gets announced, Orchid, if she's announced, Glacius, five bucks a character. But if you want all seven of them, it's going to run you 20 bucks. Eh, seven characters, 20 bucks. I really feel that the Killer Instinct roster was a lot deeper than that. Can somebody in the chat let me know, just because I can't I can't seem to find it, the exact number of characters in Killer Instinct 1 and 2? Because I want to just see, if we're going to go by that logic, how much each character would cost to replicate that exact roster. I think Killer Instinct, the original, had 12 characters, I'd like to think. Which, if that's the case, at $5.99 a character, you know, obviously... You know, at, at five bucks a character, it's it's going to be sixty dollars out of the gate. Then, of course, the twenty dollar deal looks far more appealing with seven characters. But again, free to play is nice if there's more to it. The reason I say that is because DC, uh, there you go, eleven, eleven characters in the first Killer Instinct, right? So at eleven dollars, that would be fifty five dollars to recreate that exact roster. Now. 20 bucks will give you seven. Now, the seven characters you get, you want to, let's say you want to recreate the 11, you're still going to have to pay five bucks a character for the remaining ones. I'm going to be 100% honest. I would rather you sell the game for $39.99 with everything and be done. Because this 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 leads to so many different things, and I'm not shitting on it outright. Because again, there is some value in there. If you want to play with just the seven characters, that's fine. But I feel that why not just do thirty nine ninety nine and be done with it? See, free to play sounds fantastic on paper. Everybody's like, "Yeah, free to play, man! You get the game for free." fantastic but it's like it's not really free it's free if you want to play with like two characters what are you gonna do play with two characters forever i doubt that like i said just just pull the trigger i'd rather you say to me hey killer instinct xbox one 60 bucks with a season pass or 39.99 but you can get the full version for 50 bucks or 60 bucks with everybody for life. You know? Because free-to-play is good and bad. Like, I play DC Universe online. I've played it on occasion. 
And there's a lot of stuff that you can just enjoy for free. But if you want to, you know, if you want to get additional enhancements and certain things that would be kind of cool or certain power-ups, you got to pay. It's not a lot, but it doesn't really detract from the game. It just caps you out at a certain level. See, with, with Killer Instinct, I would rather they say, listen, we're going to give you... I'd say do a character a week, you know, and in, in four weeks, in a month, you get four characters for free. If you want to buy, if you want them in advance, you could buy them or you could wait or something. But I just feel that going this route at four ninety nine a character is just going to, there's going to be a lot of, I kind of want to say there's going to be just, just broken games because it's like three guys, let's say, let, let me use some examples. Myself, Slick. Waffles, Dark Helmet, we all buy Killer Instinct. Me, I you know I've been working every couple of uh, on a consistent basis, and I get a couple of checks, and I get Jago, Orchid, Chief Thunder. Let's say Slick buys. I'm going to use the characters he mentioned: Tusk, Orchid, Jago for free. It, it's just it just throws things off. Like like it's just so incomplete. You know, TJ combos like like. What if Waffles buys TJ Combo and Dark Helmet just only has Jago? Like, these are the kind of things that it's just... The free-to-play model is so weird for me, especially with regards to Killer Instinct, because it, it sounds like it's just a recipe for failure. Now, again, this is my opinion. I, I could be 1,000% wrong, but based on what I'm reading and the preliminary stuff I'm, I'm seeing, it just it just doesn't feel right. It feels like something is missing. I don't know if it's just establishing a better a better system, or maybe that's just because this whole free to play thing is new to them. But it just it just doesn't strike me as something that's going to be incredibly effective over time. You know, it's it's definitely strange. So, of course, the big news out of the Microsoft camp last week was the fact that Steve Ballmer will be retiring within a year. Now. Here's the thing. Microsoft has, for all the successes of the Xbox 360, the original Xbox, and even the Xbox One to a degree, there are a lot of negatives as well. I mean, Windows 8 has been met with, you know, a tepid response. Let's not even talk about Windows Vista, which was complete shit. Um, The whole Windows RT, Windows Pro, Surface fiasco. There's a lot of negatives that have occurred under Steve Ballmer's watch. Now, the thing that people are watching with great interest is, what does this mean for Xbox and for the for the games division of Microsoft? Because think about it. Steve Ballmer went, he, he tried to merge all and consolidate all these, all these departments, which he did, and then he just dropped the mic and he's quitting. I don't know. It just, it just feels wrong. It feels weird for me. Now, who knows? Who knows what's where, where this is going to go for Microsoft? But a couple of things that I want to say with regards to Microsoft is not completely gaming, but here, here's what I feel. I feel that Surf, that Windows Surface and Windows Mobile should have, got, should have received the same treatment that Apple uses with iOS. One unified platform for mobile devices. Not RT and Windows 8 and all this shit. One platform, period. Shared across both devices. That in turn could play nice with Windows 8. 
Now, Windows 8, it's not a terrible operating system. It has its, its ha- it has a substantial number of negatives, but with a little bit of customization and a little bit of tweaking, you can make it a very solid system that runs very well. Me, personally, I haven't made the jump to Windows 8, not because I don't want to, but because, you know, I, I need, I'd like the start button. You know, I'd like that stuff. I mean, you can add it after the fact, but I'd rather just wait for the, um, for the update. And Slick, Slick says it best. Windows 8 is awesome. It just has goofy features. And you know what? That's kind of where I felt I stood with Windows 8. I run Windows 7 for the show. Um, I use Windows Home Server initially. Now I'm using a uh, Synology server instead. Windows does have a lot of great features, but they did drop the ball on a lot of shit too. Windows Home Server, if you ask any Windows Home Server community members, did Microsoft drop the ball with that OS? They will tell you immediately that they did. Windows Home Server is probably one of the easiest and most idiot-proof operating systems that would have benefited countless people if it would have continued to be supported effectively. Sure, you can buy Windows Home Server 2011, and you can buy the, the Pro version, which is like $400, but the original Windows Home Server OS worked. Slick can tell you he'd be able to log into my server, upload videos, borrow movies, get comics, whatever was needed, and it would just be easily accessed through the server. Now, you know, I'm still working with the uh, Synology platform to get it working, but little things like that definitely did not do Windows any favors. Now, do I think that the departure of Bomber will change things right away? Absolutely not. But I think it's time for some fresh thinking. I think we need somebody in there that has their finger on the pulse of the mobile industry that doesn't automatically want to be like Ogre from Revenge of the Nerds and scream into microphones all the time and be a complete psychopath. We need a guy. We need we need the equivalent of Steve Jobs for Microsoft. And yeah, you could say that Bill Gates was that guy, but we need a guy who's younger, who understands not only the gaming industry, but the, but the wants and needs of the PC community. I think that's what's going to make Microsoft successful. Steve Ballmer... He, he he had too much going against him, too many people disliked him, and he was just a loose cannon. And honestly, Windows Vista was a complete fucking clusterfuck. Windows Vista, in my opinion, shouldn't have even existed. It should have gone from XP to 7 to 8. That's it. Because seriously, that, that Vista shit, yuck. Anyway, I want to talk a little bit about Halo 4, because... If you thought you were done with Master Chief until Xbox One, you were wrong. IGN reported that there's going to be a brand new Game of the Year edition of Halo 4, which is going to cost 50 bucks. You're going to get it with the, it's going to feature the first season of Spartan Ops, the War Games Pass, the Champions DLC bundle, and the pre-order and limited edition content. It will run you 50 bucks and it will be available in October. Now... Let's talk about Nintendo and the 2DS. Obviously, it's very easy to have a few laughs at the expense of Nintendo and their giant Etch-A-Sketch. I mean, 2DS. I mean, why doesn't it fucking fold? Yeah. So, that was me taking a swig of water. Don't think I broke anything. Anyway, uh, let me bring Slick in for this because he is going to shed some light on how he feels and of course our our opinions may actually coincide or they may differ but i want to hear his take and then of course i will share mine 
Slick. What's up, man? What's going on? Let me um, just give people the rundown and then you can share your thoughts. The new portable system is going to be the 2DS, which will play all 3DS and DS games in 2D. The system is going to be hitting stores October 12th, the same day as Pokemon X and Pokemon Y, and will retail for $129, well, $130. And it will be available in red and also blue. It's going to play, of course, the entire library of games, both packaged and downloadable for the 3DS in 2D. But it does not fold. It is a fixed slate-shaped, uh, slate-style form factor. You know, obviously they're going to have their, their carrying cases and their shit. It's going to include dual screens. It's going to have all the usual gameplay controls, backwards compatibility, all that stuff. But it doesn't do the, the, the 3D component anymore. With that said, Slick, I'll give it to you first. Go ahead. It's it's like I just don't understand it. It's a complete waste of time because I'll give you that since the inception of the Nintendo DS, the hinge has been an issue for many people. I know tons of people, including myself, that, that have a broken DS somewhere because of the hinge. I'm one of those people. But it's like, this is stupid. I mean, yeah, it plays all 3DS games. It plays, according to Nintendo, most of the the DS games. I don't know which ones it doesn't play. And the, the fact of the matter is, I already have a 2DS. Because Nintendo had this brilliant idea that not everybody likes 3D. Not everybody can take staring at a 3D image for hours at a time. So they put this little thing called the 3D slider on, and you can turn the 3D off, which makes it what? A foldable 2DS. And it's like, I'm one of those people. I mean, I remember saying all the time how much I hated 3D. Even though I just bought a 3D TV, I still don't watch a whole lot of 3D movies. And it's like, even with that, I can turn the shit off if I want to. So there's, there's just no point in this this thing. It's like, are they making the screens out of Gorilla Glass now? Because the best thing about the 3DS, because, you know, I have the 3DS XL, and it's got that much bigger top screen, and the 2DS has that same top screen, closing it protects the damn screens. Okay. You know they're not going to give you any kind of screen protector, you know, with the package. So are they making those screens out of some really durable glass or something? Well, here here's a couple of things, and before I bring Waffles in, I'm going to share a couple of things. And you may agree, you may disagree. Here's the thing. The whole announcement for the 2DS feels like a late April Fool's joke because you're releasing what is in essence a an Etch-A-Sketch that plays video games. That's what you're doing. Now, here's the issue. They're banking on younger audiences grabbing this to play Pokemon X and Y when it drops on October 12th. Okay, but here's the thing. If you wanted to do this, you should have done this 
ages ago. Now it just feels like you're throwing this out there to kind of take the shine away from the PlayStation Vita price drop. That's number one. Number two, Nintendo knows for a fact that young kids love the Game Boy, the 3DS, the D, you know, all the usual handhelds that Nintendo cranks out. They're trying to gauge this system for a younger demographic. Make of it what you will. It's smart, but I feel it's too late because there's an oversaturation of handhelds. You got the 3DS regular. You got the 3DS XL. You got the regular DS that some people still have. You know what I mean? There's too many handhelds on the shelves from just Nintendo. And not only that, but pricing it at 129 yeah, it's a pretty price point. But you know how you would really get people to buy this shit? $99.99. Right? Either that or just, or just drop the price on the 3DS. I don't understand why they introduced another SKU into the market. Well, no. Like, I would have introduced the SKU into the market early on. Like, now? Now it's fucking bullshit. If 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 you would have done, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have released the 3ds, the small one. I would have probably released the 3ds XL, and the 2ds, and left it alone. That's it. Some people may disagree because you know they might want a smaller system that's more pocket friendly. So maybe the regular 3ds is is applicable. But you have the 3ds XL. Is it pocket friendly? Yeah. Barely pocket friendly. I mean, for me, it, 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 I guess for it's a, it's pocket friendly for an adult, just because obviously we have larger pockets. Right. I don't think it would be pocket friendly for like a, a eight year old. Well, see, that's that's the problem. The the 3ds XL, I like it substantially better than the regular 3ds. Obviously, the bigger screen. You know, I got it for my sister. I think it's a, it's a great system. I feel that that was probably the gold standard for them. Am I wrong? No, I mean, I'll admit, and I said it when I first got it, it's, it feels flimsier than the original 3DS. The original 3DS feels more sturdy, but I haven't had any problems. I don't have any physical damage to my 3DS XL, and just like in my cell phone, I have dropped it. I'm not saying it's super, it's like shatterproof or anything, but I, I haven't haven't managed to break it as yet. And I mean, that's good because you know kids are good for breaking everything. But that's that's the whole problem I see with this 2DS. I see kids breaking this shit left and right. Well, I think that the durability factor is going to be very interesting to see. I really would like to see some. As terrible as it is, I'd like to see a will it blend and a couple of drop tests just to see how durable it is. Because that's one thing that Nintendo sometimes is known for, for putting out durable shit. <laughs> see the see the um, the Super Nintendo, which I still have that works, <laughs> the N64, uh, the Wii to a degree. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's there. But um, the, the, the whole flat screen dynamic... It's good if you wanted to get those younger audiences, but that extra 30 bucks, I don't think would have been the factor. Yeah, yeah, I think it's grasping at straws now, 
But if it would have been a skew that came out then for, hey, you know, we want to offer this for people that can't deal with the 3D. Like like my sister, I, I've I've mentioned it on air. My sister has autism and she's 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 not nonverbal, but she's you know, she's very she does. She has minimal verbal skills. So when she got the 3DS, the first one, the three, she turned the switch all the way up. She wears glasses. She holds the screen relatively close. I can literally see her laying on the bed with the 3DS on the bed, and her eyes were just, it almost looked like an anime character. And I was just like, huh? They got really big. Right, right, right. And and she and you know, she'd put up her glasses and rub her eyes. I'm like, let me turn this shit down. So I turned it down, I'd be like, hey, listen, don't put this up. So she didn't put it up, plays it fine. If this system would have existed at that point, I would have just bought her that. Because it's the experience that she, that I personally feel is beneficial for her. I just feel that that at this stage of the game, when, you know, the Vita's becoming extremely affordable. And it's, you know, it's integration with the PlayStation 4 is, is, is a selling point. I think just Nintendo was trying to grasp at straws a little too late. And I'm going to bring Waffles on because I want to see if he shares a similar sentiment or if he has something completely different. Waffles, you're on the air. What's okay, up? How's it going, guys? Been a while? Long while. Yeah, it's been a while, dude. So, 2DS, what do you think? Actually, it has pros and cons, and you both actually did mention some of them. And for me, of course, I also see that. Like, for instance, first I want to go with the 3DS. Yeah, the small one, I still only have the original. I didn't go for the larger one just because this original is just more pocket-friendly for me. Okay. But the two, the 2DS, I see like the little pro with it where it would actually be okay with kids. The reason why is when I saw the video that Nintendo out for it it showed that it's not going to have one of those covers that like the 3ds has so you could still fit in the pocket like it has just a carrying case for it so kids can't really just throw it around and the carrying case looked like it has some type of protecting for it but like a sturdy one so that's a good thing you have these kids throwing it around all over the place and there's like for instance the 3ds i know i have a lot of friends already that have problems with the trigger buttons. They've been breaking when you put them in covers and whatnot. And the 2DS, it is better just for the younger audience. So that's a pro that I see with it. Like, parents can buy it because it's affordable. They don't have to worry about that 3D thing messing with their eyes because you know how kids can be crazy and stupid. A lot of them. Not, no, not all of them, but just the majority of them. So I see that. It being like a pro right there. But yes, it is late to bring this out. They should have done this way ahead of time. The only way I would buy a 2DS if it has that retro look. I don't know if you ever saw that picture, fan-made picture someone made, where it has the original Game Boy look to it. Yep, I remember that. Well, I got yeah. I got something to throw out there that a lot of people just aren't discussing, and, and I want to hear what both of you have to say, and it's this. Nintendo, Sony are losing market share to, to, to something I've told you guys has been creeping up on them quietly. And that, ladies and gentlemen, are iPods, mobile phones, and tablets. Why? Because everybody shoves the, uh, an iPhone in front of their kid's face, play this game, shut the hell up. 
I've seen kids younger than eight years old playing with iPad minis or iPods or Android tablets, which are substantially more money. And in this instance, and Nintendo's not being upfront with it, which is funny, they're they're legitimately offering a solution to take the fight to Apple. That's what I saw when I saw the 2DS. I said, this shit, it's not, it's, it, yeah, it's stupid at first glance. But it's smart because think of yourself as a parent. Do you want your kid playing with your $500 phone? Or do you want your kid playing Mario with a, with a DS that could probably take a decent ass whooping? And not for nothing is, 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 a, is a tablet basically for kids. Because think about it, you can watch Netflix. You can watch Netflix on your on your on your DS, right? Yeah, I think no. It's funny that you mentioned that because that was the first thought I had when I saw the 2DS, the picture of it. I automatically thought it's a tablet. Yep. Like they're trying to work their way into a tablet. Yep. Without without being too upfront with it, they're using the name, and and I guarantee you that while the 129 isn't attractive, they're gonna sell it. It's gonna sell, just for the oh, reason. Yeah. That nobody's gonna want to put their four or five hundred dollar Apple device in a kid's hand for them to want to play Angry Birds. What do you think, Slick? With you having said that, I think that the two DS <laughs> could be could do very well if they did one thing to really make it combat the Vita, and that would be to offer a. Um, Like a what do you call it? A two DS version that like would work with a phone plan. That would be fantastic. Oh uh, yeah. Or yeah. Or if you can download an app from Nintendo and tether it with your phone. Well, that would that would still you know need some kind of phone plan because you know the. Well, actually, you can do that because the D, the, the the DS, pretty much all all of them from like the the um, the DS Lite and up have Wi-Fi. Right, and then you can so, do the Wi-Fi hotspot. I mean, if your phone has hotspot capability, you can do that now without any extra app. Right, but that's what I was saying. That's why I said if it has some kind of phone plan, because all any DS that you can currently buy in a store does have Wi-Fi built in. Right, but if they had it where, like, you know, let's say if they worked out a deal with T-Mobile or Verizon or somebody, or even God forbid, AT and T can't stand <laughs> them, but whatever. Um, you know, just like what Sony did. And try to get like a, a a cheap deal or something like say thirty dollars a month, give a kid like two gigs a month of you know data capability with you know they can do because especially one of the reasons why I was able to answer that the um the ds the dsxl the 3ds xl is pocket friendly with me is. I hadn't been using all the online features lately, and I, I opened it up one day because, like, Waffles and I are both playing Project Cross Zone, and <laughs> I, yeah. I opened it up one day, and it needed an update. And one thing that the DS is using is the, what is it, 
the Nintendo Zone app, which has been around for a while, but they recently, like, they've updated it where the Street Pass function works with Nintendo Zone. So a lot of those little games that come for free with it, like, like um, Puzzle Me and Find Me, where you, you usually need to interact with people, not like physically, but you need to pass by them. Now it works with the Nintendo Zone app where, like, if you pretty much go to any McDonald's or Best Buy or uh, AT&T wireless store, they have the Nintendo Zone app built into the Wi-Fi there. And it's like you don't have to encounter somebody who's playing a, a 3DS anymore because the last person who was there, their information is stored there and you interact with them that way. Right. Like, I, I haven't, you know, seen people playing 3DS recently because I don't take public transportation as much right now because I've been driving a lot. But, you know, I pass by McDonald's or something, I open up my 3DS, and all of a sudden there's new me's on my, on my, on my 3DS. Well. So, I mean, if you had, like, a, like a phone option or something, or something where kids could interact with, you know, other kids on their friends list and stuff like that. I mean, you, you it's like what you both said. You have basically a cheap tablet for the kid, which, I mean, they already started doing that with the Wii U. Right, but here's the, here's the thing. The Wii U, and, and I'm going to discuss this as well, obviously with the price drop, but think about it from the standpoint of you're releasing this system with Pokemon, practically, they should have released it as a bundle to really move units. But they're releasing the system with a game that is guaranteed to grab an audience from ages 8 and up with a, with a, with a system that's incredibly durable. The only, the only issue I have with the whole non-folding thing is that kids can't take it to school. But... Obviously, no parent wants their kid to take a fucking console to school anyway. So, you know, it's a non-issue. For me, I think it's it's savvy marketing from Nintendo's part to take the fight to Apple, but not directly. Because, you know, if they try to you fight they try to fight Apple head-on, you're going to lose. Well, I was going to say, you know, it's kind of funny, though, how they're doing it when Pokemon X and Y is coming out. Right. If you really look at... What Nintendo's been doing, think back all the way to Game Boy Color. They had a special Pokemon, Game right. Boy Color, Game Boy, the same with Game Boy Advance. They had the Nintendo 64 Pikachu edition. Pokemon has been like the biggest thing for them when it comes to handheld. So it's, in a way, their way of selling it. It's like, Pokemon's coming out, you have a new system, get them both together. But think about it, even the 3DS XL, that Pikachu one, that thing like sold the very first day it came out. And... I know they're going to probably do something that's going to screw people over. The 2DS comes out with the Pokemon XY. And then in Japan, they're selling special edition 3DSs that have the covers of, like, either the legendaries from the covers. And they're going to probably bring that to the U.S. And people are going to be like, shit, we just bought the 2DS. Now we got to buy this special one. Well, if Nintendo, then, if Nintendo was... That. No, you're, 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 you're actually onto something. If Nintendo was savvy in that regard, they would have said, check this out. To compete against the Vita and the Walking Dead bundle, you can get either Pokemon X or Pokemon Y and a 2DS for 149 No, I got one better for you. 
Okay, shoot. If they really wanted to be savvy and really compete with the Vita, considering the 2DS doesn't have 3D functionality and neither does the Wii U, and this would have answered a question you you asked a few months ago, they would have made the DS basically, you know, still have it have full, you know, 3DS functionality with the exception of the 3D, but other than that, they would have built in extra functionality where the 2DS doubles as a Wii U controller. See, that would be good. Too. That would be good, and that would eliminate that stupid, poorly charging tablet <laughs> that <laughs> that you hate oh so much. Well, no, the poorly the it does not poorly charging. The battery in it is of uh, I think fifteen hundred or fifteen fifty milliamp hour battery. In Japan, they've released a 2,500 milliampere battery, and it's like instead of three hours, it gives you eight hours of gameplay. Right. Because there's nothing wrong with the charging on the, the, the controller. It charges fine. It charges pretty quickly, too, in between, like, gaming sessions. Problem yeah. is, if you want to play a game like Mario, where if, if you're a quote-unquote hardcore gamer... It doesn't have enough charge, to, you know, you know, to give you your gaming fix. Well, I would have, I think, I think that using the 2DS as the tablet would have been smart marketing because they would have just unveiled that feature, like, like sell it with the tablet. Everybody's all like, oh yeah, well and good, and be like, oh yeah, by the way, you know, all 2DS owners, all all Wii U owners, you can actually use your tablet as our new portable handheld 2DS and release like an update and just walk out the door with it. No, I, I, I don't like that idea because if you, I mean, I know you don't personally have one right now, but it's like if you, anybody has, anybody listening has a, a Wii U, and let's say if you have a, a 3DS, take the 3DS right now, especially if you have an XL. The screen for the, the Wii U controller is almost bigger than the 3DS XL, which means it's definitely bigger than the 3DS. And I'm not talking about the screen on the 3DS. The screen on the Wii U controller is almost bigger than the entire 3DS. Ah, XL. okay. I always felt that the controller was a little smaller. All right, then, then I, I retract my statement which means that the overall controller is huge. It doesn't fit in anybody's pocket. Got it. All right. Yeah, I just I just think that so the 2DS... I would 2DS... not want to take that outdoors, especially with the shit battery and no way to really charge it. I feel that the 2DS, while it's flawed now, has its place, but I think it would have had its place had it been released shortly after the 3DS. Like, it would have been like, oh, for those of you that are sensitive to the 3D or whatever, we got this. And I think it would have been better received. Now, like I said, it's you know that it's Nintendo taking the fight to the tablets and the, and the mobile systems. And, and I respect that. I just feel, once again, too late to the fucking party. True. That's it. I honestly think if they had... Um chosen to make it, you know, add that extra functionality where it doubles as the Wii U controller, it would sell, it would, first of all, it would sell like hotcakes to the people who have uh, Wii U's. Second of all, it would probably bolster Wii U sales. This is true also. Because, you know, you can get, 
you can get a second controller easily. Like right now, there's there's still no option to get another Wii U tablet controller other than buying another Wii U. And that would have been the the perfect, you know, the perfect replacement. It's even at one twenty nine ninety nine. Shit, I might buy one. Because, I mean, the only, I'm looking at a picture of the 2DS, and I'm looking at my controller right now. The only buttons that the 2DS is missing from a, um, a Wii U controller are the triggers on the back and the the um the TV control button, which, considering it's got an extra screen, that could easily be remedied. I mean, the touch screen could, you know, you could have on the side just two buttons that you could hit with your thumbs that work as the trigger buttons. There you go. Well, while we're, while we're on the subject of that and on the Wii U as well, Nintendo dropped some release dates. And I wanted to get you your thoughts on it. Waffles, you can stick around for this. Uh, the Legend of Zelda is dropping September 20th downloadable and October 4th packaged for forty nine ninety nine on the Wii U. Wii Party U is dropping October 25th bundled with a remote plus, with a Wiimote remote plus controller and stand for forty nine ninety nine. Super Mario 3D World is dropping November 22nd for fifty nine ninety nine. Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze hits stores December 6th for $49.99. And, of course, this is going to be the big one for the holidays. We Fit You will probably be available this <laughs> holiday season. Coupled with another another gem, Mario and Sonic at the Sochi 2014 Olympic Winter Games. Because, you know, we, we, need, we, need more, we need more games of those two assholes at the Olympics. Um, Scribblenauts Unmasked. <laughs> September 24th, Lego Marvel Super Heroes this fall, Skylanders Swap Force, of course, October 13th, Call of Duty Ghosts, November 5th, Sonic Lost World, October 22nd, Rayman Legends, September 3rd, Just Dance 2014, October 8th, Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag, October 29th, and Watch Dogs, November 19th. So, with that said, Look at Nintendo. Wait, 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 wait. So <laughs> Wii U owners have to wait a week later than Xbox One and PlayStation 4 owners to get Watch Dogs? That's what it looks like. When it's going to, you know, because it's Ubisoft, they're almost definitely going to gimp it. Probably. Because right now the only game Ubisoft is releasing that I would say is probably going to be better on Wii U than any other console is Rayman. And the only reason for that is because Rayman Legends was supposed to be a Wii U exclusive. Right. And they delayed the shit out of it to make versions for the Xbox 360 and PS3. Well, you're, you're, you're on point with that. But here's, here's the kicker. We've bitched about Nintendo not releasing stuff in a timely fashion. Now... It's like, oh yeah, by the way, fall, holiday season, here's all this cool shit. <laughs> and you know what you know what I gotta say? Too fucking late. <laughs> yeah, because I mean you're releasing Mario a week after the PlayStation 4 is confirmed to be coming out. Bingo. We don't know when the Xbox is coming out yet, other than November. 
But the PlayStation 4 is confirmed to be out on Friday, November 15th. There you go. And if you pre-ordered it, you can get it, you know, midnight going into the 15th. Yep. But you see, look, just the release calendar alone, it's like September, October, November, December. You're welcome. <laughs> it's like, all right. <laughs> it's like, all right, thanks, guys. And then on the 3DS side, they give you A Legend of Zelda Link Between Worlds, November 22nd, Mario Party Island Tour. They give you Scribblenauts. They give you Lego Marvel Super Heroes, Batman Arkham Origins, Blackgate, Skylander Swap Force, Adventure Time, Explore the Dungeon, because I don't know. <laughs> That's the title. November well, 19th. Let me, um, let me stop you for a quick second, because while you know you, you have these titles for October, it's not like there's nothing coming out right now, because nope. Nintendo has three big titles for September. That's right. They've got Wonderful 101 coming out the 15th, which the only problem with that is two days later, Grand Theft Auto V comes out. Yep. You've got um, Scribble Knots on the 24th. Right. The Scribble Knots PC game. That's right. Which does look really good. Yep. Scribble Knots was a good game. And um, and Rayman coming out, which, like I said, it's going to come out cross-platform, but honestly, if you own, let's say you're like me, you have all three consoles, there's really no reason to get it on PS3 or 360. The game was made for the Wii U. This is true. And you know, it's, all the all the goodies are on the Wii U. Every time you mention Rayman, I think of Rain Man, and I just visualize Dustin Hoffman <laughs> jumping on platforms dressed like Mario. I'm sorry, but um, <laughs> seriously, it's like Nintendo. Look at this is what kills me though, and and you know Waffles chime in with this. Think of the drought we've had of fucking games. Oh, we had a long drought with them, that's for sure. Think of, think of the drought. Slick, I know you can attest, dude. It's been like, it's like parched desert weather when it comes to Nintendo releasing games. Now it's like, oh yeah, by the way, all that money that you're supposed to have, yeah, kiss that goodbye. But no joke, I bought my Wii U and the only game I have for it is Monster Hunter Three Ultimate. That's the only game I have for it because I haven't been interested in anything else. Damn. I'm just waiting for more things to come out. Yeah, that's how bad it's been. But it's like you see, you said Nintendo's just doing it late. And what I think is that they paid more attention with Sony and Microsoft battling out rather than thinking about bringing everything out earlier. They're like, okay, let them fight. What could come out right now? We'll get better sales. No, they're like, let them fight hear what they have to say, when they're going to release it, and let's try to release it close to it so maybe we have a chance. Well, the funny that thing... there, though, my dear. Well, no, it's interesting you say that because a, a, a lot of articles have said that Nintendo is going to come out the winner in this early console war. And I read these articles and I go, on what fucking planet is that happening? <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. There's there's logistics there with Nintendo definitely gaining market share. Don't get me wrong. Their their handheld market is going to probably thrash anything that Sony brings to the table only because there's so much or insertion in homes already. That's a given. But do you think that you're going to stand toe to toe with We Fit You against like Titanfall? You're out of your fucking mind. <laughs> 
if they had their, you know, like their first party people, if they had them make some, you know, some more serious games, even taking, like we said it before, taking their existing family of characters, like, yo, no, Mario's still family and everything, but so this game is for the older Mario fan base, and it's not for kids. You know, give Mario some fucking weapons. Do do the freaking what do you call it? The um the robot chicken sketch when he had Mario accidentally driving to Liberty City. Oh Jesus! You know, give him some Grand some Grand Theft Auto shit. Send him to Raccoon City and have. Now now we're getting a little crazy, but you pose an interesting you pose interesting concepts because like I've always said, why not do a two D Mario Sonic game? I've always said that. How many times have I said that on air? Numerous. Think of the money that that would make. It would be perfect. Actually crossover games would be great. Uh, it, because you know those fan made ones. I think there's the one that was a PC one that had like the sprites from Contra, Mega Man, Castlevania, where they're playing in the Mario world, but different player world as well. I don't right. remember what it's called, but I think you know what I'm talking about. Yep, seen it on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, that one. See, that's a great idea. Make crossover games like that. Like have characters unite with each other in some way in the 2D world. Perfect. It's fun. You have the nostalgia effect, of course, doing 2D, but you can do so much more with it. But like, even with this Project Cross Zone game that me and Slick been playing, it's been amazing seeing like all these characters group together, like from so yeah, many different. I was games. about to say, I was like, why aren't Reggie Fusion and Miyamoto looking at this game that Namco, Bandai, Capcom, and Sega put together, saying, hey, why don't we do something along those lines, like? Uh, this this question is directly for, for Waffles. When you're playing Project Cross Zone and you're attacking whatever, do you know what the fuck is happening half the time and do you care? Hell no, I'm just enjoying the fuck out of it. <laughs> exactly. You're, you're averaging in that game 75 to 125 hit combos on a single attack against a single creature. Yep. You don't know what's happening. It's like it happens in three seconds, literally. That's crazy. You don't know what the fuck's going on. And you don't care what the fuck's going on. All you care is, let me hit that Y button for my special attack and watch freaking Ryu and Ken bust out super short Yukins and Hadoukens and blow shit up. That's all or you the care about. One. Wait, or the funniest one with the... Um, what's her name? The Talos and... The other chick, their last bit of their oh, special God. attack is pretty much the their breath from, pick. The chicks from Xenosaga where they literally, like, their shirts open up and, like, they, they shoot freaking beams from their tits. Literally. Yeah. That's me as hell. <laughs> well, as much, as much as you guys are making me want to play this game, I, I, am, I, I, don't, I can't do handheld gaming. But... I will I will close out with this last bit of of Nintendo news and that is of course the uh the Wii U price drop uh dropping uh 50 bucks to 299 starting September 20th and they're going to release a limited edition Wii U bundle with Legend of Zelda the Wind Waker HD for the same price on the same day. The bundle is going to include a, a a black Wii U or a blue U, 
<laughs> and a uh, a gamepad <laughs> controller with uh, gold lettering, a gold Hyrule crest and gold symbols from the game. Um, of course, there's a download code for the digital version of the Hyrule Historia book, which Slick was kind enough to review. Artwork from the Legend of Zelda series, as well as the code to download the Legend of Zelda Wind Waker HD from the eShop at no cost. That bundle, like I said, drops September 20th with a package version coming October 4th for the game with gold foil packaging. That's going to retail for $49.99. Of course, GameStop has to get in on the pre-order rapage by offering a Ganondorf figurine with the game for $54.99. Thoughts? Uh, Don't jump in all at once. It's too late for me, man. I already, I mean... (laughs) I'm not buying those freaking wings. Uh, it's too late to really do that. That's what I'm saying, <laughs> man. It's like it's like, oh yeah, but it has gold lettering. It's like, yeah. How about those games? Oh yeah, they're all coming out the same month. Fuck. <laughs> it shows a lot of people, especially like how I mean, it's like we already have the Wii U. There's no point in even trying to get the new that new bundle one because. If we even try to sell this one, we're getting shit for it, no matter where we go. The, so, that, that's the saddest part. Like with the fifty dollar price yeah. drop, you guys, you guys know this well. They release special consoles. They drop the price. You want to buy one because it's cool, but your existing console, yeah, five bucks. <laughs> yeah, like even I know if I were to sell my Wii U at that retro game store I talked about, right? I know even. They would sell it more than, or they would buy it from me more than GameStop, but it still wouldn't be that much. Nope. Because, I mean, that's going on. So we're stuck with it. Sad but true. All right, guys. Um, You know what? We'll close out the game segment with uh, Deep Silver and Volition announcing that Saints Row 4 sold more than 1 million units in its first week of retail availability. The PC version of the game has tripled its first week sales numbers over the prior release of Saints Row the Third. From THQ. The online community for SaintsRow.com also saw registrations increase by a million in the first week of release for the game, amounting to more than 1.3 million user accounts for the game in total. I know Slick is not a Saints Row fan, but that's pretty fucking impressive. I'm sure that record will be de- that record will be demolished in approximately, I don't know, three weeks. <laughs> 18 days. Eight, look at that slick down to 18 days gta is the equivalent of a baby for slick he's like 18 days 14 hours 246 <laughs> seconds it's coming three guys shooting and robbing banks my life is complete basically <laughs> there you go um right. I, I posted that video that waffles was talking about this is the the special attack of telos and cosmos and Jesus. Yeah, this is a game that's on the 3DS. It's it's not for children. <laughs> no, no, it's probably not. I'll tell you this. If they released um, Project X Zone on consoles, they would be swimming in fucking money. I don't They're know probably... why they didn't release it for the, the Wii U. I mean, there was, a, there, there was a PlayStation 3 game along the same lines. It was made by Namco Bandai. It, I mean, I've seen video of it. It honestly is nowhere near as good as Project Cross Zone. But, it, I mean, it's the same basic 
basic feature. I think the biggest problem was a lot of the characters they used were like just more of the obscure characters. And this game used a lot more of the more recognizable ones. Right. Like that game didn't have people like Mega Mega Man. It didn't have X and Zero. It didn't have pretty much anyone from Street Fighter. Wait, what's your combo? I mean, the the Bandai X Cross Namco had those characters. They even had the even the tagging characters, like the Jin wearing the jumpsuit jacket. Unless you're talking about a different one, the one that I saw had those characters. There's two games before this one that are the uh, same basic the same basic premise. Yeah. I'll get the titles for you, but it's like the the one that came out on PS3 in 2009, it it did okay, but it's like it didn't really do too well over here. Well, there you have oh. it. Well, that actually is uh, going to wrap up the gaming segment. You guys want anything else? Want to add anything else? I actually got a quick question for you, Rick. Go ahead. Because um, since I know there's still the topic about the whole... Um, Killer Instinct one coming out for Xbox. Right. And there's still, like, a lot of unknown things. Uh, uh, I sent a message before, like, if you guys were willing, like, with, per- with permission, if I could get my friend that's part of the people that are working with that game to come in and join, like, you guys can do an interview for him to ask him questions about the game itself that what might include that other people don't know. All right. I'm down. Make it happen. All right. Um, I'll talk. I'll message you guys about it, right? Yep. Drop, give him, give him all the information. You have most of the info, or you know he can hit the contact us form on the site, and we can make that happen. Oh, that's cool. Thanks, man. Awesome. Anything else you want to add, Slick? Titty sprinkles. There you go, titty sprinkles. <laughs> all right, guys. I will catch y'all in a, in a few minutes. Yeah, all right, man. Peace. All right, that was Slick and a returning waffles sharing their thoughts with me on the uh, 3DS, 2DS, and Nintendo in general. And you know that always leads to great conversation. Now, I did want to talk about the entertainment news for this week, and I wanted to find a a clip that that would sum this up as best as possible. So, without any further ado, we are going to go... Friday. Shit, does it say who's fucking playing us in the movie? No, but it's Miramax, so I'm sure it'll be Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. You know, they put them in a bunch of movies. Who? You know, those kids from uh, Good Will Hunting. You mean that fucking movie with Mork from Ork in it? Yeah, I wasn't a big fan either. But Affleck was the bomb in Phantoms. Word, bitch. Phantoms like a motherfucker. What's up now? Uh, All right. There you go. That about sums it up. Ben Affleck was the bomb in Phantoms. Anyway. Let's get into this week's entertainment news because there's a lot to discuss, including Southie Batman getting a fucking car, Robin. <laughs> that's that's what we got to talk about. That was more. I think that was more. Um, what the hell's his name? I think that was more uh, Tracy Morgan. Now, nah, if it was Tracy Morgan, be like, you know, we gotta get in this car. Me and Batman and Robin talking with Ben Affleck. Like, I, I gotta work on my Boston accent, so. Um, I promise I'll get that worked on in the, in the next couple of weeks. Anyway, let's get into this week's entertainment news. Uh, relatively, ugh, Relativity Media is working on a sequel, forget this, for Act of Valor. 
Now, if you guys remember, Act of Valor was a movie put out by the Bandito Brothers, which featured real Navy SEALs in its cast. It earned $70 million domestically. Now it looks like the next follow-up for that film is going to focus on SWAT officers. As of right now, Scott Wiper, who did The Condemned and A Better Way to Die, is set to write and direct the film. It's unknown if the producers are going to use um, a similar route like they did with the previous film, using uh, practical effects and a micro-budget and real-life SWAT team members for production. Now, the thing that um, gets me about this is Active Valor was good. Don't get me wrong. It was a solid, it was a solid action flick. Is it warranted a sequel? Does it deserve a sequel? Probably not. But I, me personally, Active Valor, I never felt it was a box office movie. I always felt it was, you know, thumbing through the channels on HBO and Cinemax. Oh, look, people shooting at each other. Hey, this looks pretty badass. That was it. I didn't really see it as a big budget blockbuster film. I mean, the $70 million that it made domestically obviously counters that, but, you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, Strider in the chat says, Act of Valor never needed to be a movie. <laughs> I watched it, and I felt it was, it, was, it was good, but it wasn't like, oh my god, this is, you know, um, on par with Saving Private Ryan or... Um, you know any any of those uh, any of the more notable war films it was solid but it was it wasn't that great and to do one about the SWAT team eh, take it for what it's worth now you guys are going to love this let's talk about what the fuck movie news because there's always some and this time this one's a gem we all know that Marvel is working on Guardians of the Galaxy and we know that there's still casting that needs to be done for Groot and for Rocket Raccoon. Now, Groot has been cast, and I'll be talking about that in a few minutes, but Rocket Raccoon still needs a voice. Well, according to Latino Review and a couple of other sites, Bradley Cooper may be voicing Rocket Raccoon. It's not official yet, but that's where they're leaning. Why? I don't know. Like, when I look at Rocket Raccoon, I visualize... Like Joe Pesci, like just a a little angry, just just belligerent raccoon. I don't visualize, you know, dreamy-eyed Bradley Cooper and his smooth voice. That's not who I see. I visualize somebody gruff, you know, like like you see a little raccoon and you're like, get out of the way. What are you talking about? Like that kind of a like that kind of a guy that has presence, not. Not, not fucking that dude. You know? Definitely not that dude. Gilbert Godfrey would be pretty badass. I, As crazy as it sounds, but I just think of the Aflac duck all the time. This is Gilbert Gottfried. I'm talking as a raccoon here. I dig through garbage. I'm hungry. I played a duck. That's what I did. Like, eh, I don't know. It, it could work. It could work. But I think after the whole Aflac... Thing. Eh, you know, it's a little, it's a little stretch. You know what? I, I got a homework assignment for you guys. Do yourselves a favor and look up the comedy film called the aristocrats. And it's, it's a, it's a joke. It's a long running joke. That's told by numerous comedians. And if you see Gilbert Gottfried's rendition of the aristocrats, you could probably look it up on YouTube you will lose your fucking mind because Gilbert Gottfried is, is bananas. But again, 
Bradley Cooper as Rocket Raccoon just doesn't work for me. It doesn't. There's so many great actors, so many recognizable voices that would work that that are just more effective than than that. I'm not saying to go with Ving Rhames, you know, get some pipe wheel. Like, I'm not saying that. We don't need like Ving Rhames as Rocket Raccoon, but we need we need something like like you know what like Bruce Will. I'd put Bruce Willis as Rocket Raccoon, just like. Yeah, you know, like like that kind of a guy. Like I see that. Like I see Rocket Raccoon as like a little John McClane. Like that works. But like Bradley Cooper, he's mad soft. I don't know. It just you're you're a badass space raccoon that shoots shit, and you're being voiced by a guy who is like on the list of people's most beautiful people. People magazine's most beautiful people. It just doesn't work. Thank you, Slick, for sharing. Gilbert Gottfried and the Aristocrats. You will not regret it, guys. Anyway, another big rumor that was making the news this week was some small screen news regarding Sylvester Stallone and Rambo coming to the small screen. Everybody was jizzing in their shorts about Rambo coming to the small screen and Stallone, I didn't start this, you did, type shit. And obviously, it is not happening. Turns out that Stallone will not be reprising his role as John Rambo, but he may be involved in the series. That's rumors at this point. The Hollywood Reporter did confirm that he will not be playing John Rambo. I don't think a a Rambo TV series would be bad, but I think it needs to be on cable. I would would equate a Rambo TV series to Strike Back, which if you have Cinemax, I cannot recommend it enough, especially if you're a fan of um, Armed Forces. Of, of armed forces and action movies, you gotta watch Strike Back. Strike Back is amazing. Strider, I know, I know you love the action flicks, dude, and you're in the service. If you have Cinemax or if you can get Max Go, watch Strike Back. There's sex, gratuitous nudity, gunfire, lots of crazy terrorism shit. Oh, it's fantastic. I love Strike Back. It is, it is insane. It is so insane. Well. Ah, no Skinamax. All right, look it up on... Actually, you know what? I think if you go on YouTube, Cinemax gave away a couple of episodes for free. You might also be able to find them on YouTube, but I cannot recommend the series enough, dude. It is it is bananas. You won't regret it. Anyway, in some unnecessary sequel news, Pirates of the Caribbean will be launching its fifth film titled Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Men Tell No Tales which of course is a reference to the Disneyland attraction and the film is expected to be released. Well, it's going to start filming in January for a July 15th, 2015 release. So there you have it. Another Pirates of the Caribbean. Why? I don't know. I kind of felt it ran its course after the third movie, but every time Disney looks at the box office receipts, it changes its mind. And as long as Johnny Depp is still around to take the money, why the hell not? So, let's talk let's talk about Ben Affleck as Batman. So, last Thursday before I went on air, I released an article about 10 other actors I would have chosen to play Batman. Now, when I posted the article on Filmwatch and on a couple of other sites, a couple of people were like, "Yeah, man, you know, everybody's talking about Ben Affleck playing Batman, but you know, what the fuck do you know, man?" Blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, listen, let me go on record on August 30th, 2013 at approximately 1:40 in the morning as saying, 
I never had a problem with Ben Affleck playing Batman. Never did. Here's where here's where my issue comes from. On the list of actors that I could think of to play Batman, Ben Affleck wasn't even in my top 20. He wasn't even in my top 20. I'm not saying that he's going to suck. I've never said that. I don't even say that in the article. I just felt that when you think of older guys that can play Batman, you think of, you know, the John Hams, the Josh Brolins, you think of all those actors because, and Strider is 100% right, the skepticism when Heath Ledger was announced as the Joker is, is, is proof positive that sometimes our overactive fanboy anger gets the better of us. I'm 100% honest when I say I don't have any issue with Batman as Ben Affleck. Yeah, I have a little fun with Southie Batman and get in the fucking car, Robin, like that kind of stuff. But I just say it for shits and giggles. I have no problem, none whatsoever, with Ben Affleck playing Batman. Why? Because the guy hasn't even put on the costume yet. And yeah, you can you can turn on the show and you can come in the chat and you can write on the site. And say to me, yeah, Rich, but Daredevil, question mark. Here's the thing. How old is Daredevil, number one? It was Ben Affleck's only fucking superhero movie. And Daredevil wasn't utter shit. It was just stupid for various reasons. I honestly felt Michael Clark Duncan as the Kingpin was fine. And not only that, but if you watch the director's cut of Daredevil... It's a better film because it still maintains some of its darker tones. That's that's just, you know, everybody talks about, oh, you know, the Daredevil. But I tell you what, what about Argo? You know, what about it? What about his work in Argo? Fucking Oscar. You jaded motherfuckers. What about that? What about the town? Jaded fucks. I'm not jaded in the least. Yeah, I come on air. I get mad. I talk about shit that, that, oh yeah, you know, this movie's going to suck. That actor sucks. This sucks. That sucks. But you know what? I got no problem with Affleck. I don't. You know? I think that the problem with Affleck is the fact that everybody had this laundry list of guys, myself included, because I did. And nowhere on my list was Ryan fucking Gosling. Let me allow let me allow you guys to be in on that little nugget of information. On my laundry list of actors to play Batman, Ryan Gosling couldn't fucking scratch George Clooney's nuts to be on that list. Absolutely. No way in hell would he have been up there. Why? Because because he punched some people in the face when he had a scorpion jacket in a movie where he uttered three lines? Ryan Gosling's face is the shape of a fucking potato. Do you know how stupid he would look under that mask? That's like Mr. Potato Head Batman. Look at his round avocado pit looking face. And visualize that under a mask. Close your eyes and visualize an avocado pit with a cowl on it. That's Ryan Gosling. Get the fuck out of here. No. Not happening. Not Baby Goose, no, fuck him, get him out of here. You know, I'm serious. Go go on, on the site and read my picks. Like I had, you know, Liev Schreiber on there. Because if you watch Ray Donovan, you'd understand. Josh Brolin was on there. Jensen Ackles was on there because he has that 
wonderful Batman deep voice. You know, um, fuck it. I'll pull up the article. I'm going to share my choices with you guys because, you know, giving, giving some of you guys homework is like pulling fucking teeth. So, um, let me pull this shit up because this is, this is the kind of night that it's going to turn into. Seriously. Everybody's all pissed off. Ben Affleck is Batman. Let me tell you something. You're going to line up with your money in hand and your trademark Batman t-shirt that you've owned since Michael Keaton was Batman to see this movie. Don't even fucking front. Don't front that you're not going to see that shit. You jaded pieces of shit. I'm serious. As terrible as it sounds, you jaded fucks. You guys know I'm right. You know. And that's what they do. Oh, you know, Ben Affleck, he's going to suck. Look, I can have fun with Ben Affleck's Boston accent and all that shit, but never have I said he was going to suck. Read the article yourselves. Here are my 10 choices of guys other than Ben Affleck that could have played Batman. Number 10, Josh Brolin. Number nine, Liev Schreiber. Number eight, Matthew Good, who played Ozymandias in Watchmen. Number seven, John Hamm. Number six, Carl motherfucking Scotty Urban. You don't, bu- you don't buy it? You think I'm crazy? Watch Judge Dredd. Get back to me. Jeffrey Dean Morgan, if you want to go older. Michael Fassbender. Jensen Ackles. Wes Bentley. And yeah, num- my number one choice was Christian Bale just because he did a good bro- job as Batman. That's it. That is it. Those are my choices. Oh, and let me preface it with what I said. And I quote, this is what I said. The internet and various social media outlets have pretty much collapsed on themselves ever since Ben Affleck was cast as Batman in the sequel to The Man of Steel. Before I share my picks, I wanted to say that I have no issue with Ben Affleck since his acting and directing are top-notch. It's just he wouldn't have been my first choice. That is exactly what I wrote. That's it. And again, all the actors I gave, I gave for various reasons. I had a guy, he was like, why'd you pick Jeffrey Dean Morgan? I don't know because you want an old fucking Batman, don't you? That's what they said. We need an older Batman. When Rich hears older Batman, he hears older actors. Josh Brolin, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, John Hamm. I don't know. They're all fucking old. And they're all grizzled as fuck. Duh. Hello. And Michael Fassbender, I picked him. Yeah, because he can play a smug, rich Bruce Wayne. Just Magneto and X-Men First Class was just that. And I think that if you had to create a new Joker, Fastbender would probably kill that too. Because he's a lunatic. Have you ever seen that movie Shame? Where he walks around with his dick hanging out? Is that, is that what it's called? I think it's Shame. They were giving out Cinemax a few nights ago. I'm like, yo, this guy is a believer in his craft. He's like, yo, check out my tripod. I'm an Oscar winner. Fuck it. Hold this. Like, that's that's the kind of shit that that, that you have to look at. Heath Ledger was that kind of a guy. He died for it, but that's what he was. Heath Ledger was all about the craft. He was. Heath Ledger was all about the craft, and it killed him. 
killed him. Would, would, would that have meant that Heath Ledger would have continued being the Joker had he been alive? Who knows? But that was his that was his stamp on the movie. That was his stamp. But yeah, like dudes question me like, yo, why'd you pick Carl Urban? I don't know, because you wanted to get a, a guy who's relatively unknown. Seriously, like 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 dudes question the most insane shit like Wes Bentley. Younger guy. Would have worked as Bruce Wayne. 34 years old. Not bad. But that's the, these are the arguments that I dealt with when I published this article. James McAvoy is too English, but he does have a bit of a Robin look. I'll give you that, Strider. But seriously, these dudes... Like, like I never said Ben Affleck sucks. Listen, after the Heath Ledger instance, I am okay with Ben Affleck playing Batman. Not avocado-faced Ryan Gosling. Take your big potato-head-looking ass... And go kiss Rachel McAdams in the rain so girls can fawn over you and pretend to feed you shit in gifs. Go do that. Go do an action movie where you don't fucking speak for, for, for an hour and like 48 minutes. Go do that shit. Oh yeah, McAvoy's a badass dude, don't get me wrong, it's just... He's so he's so English, you know what I mean? Like every time I look at James McAvoy, I think of him as like the goat guy in um whatchamacallit? Uh Lion Witch and Wardrobe. You know? That's that that's the kind of shit I'm talking about. Like like people they go and, and they get so up in air Adam, you know, excuse me, up in arms about this stuff, and they just don't realize that you're not even giving the guy a fucking chance. You're not giving him a chance to to try and better himself. Us Weekly reports that he's in the gym two hours a day to get physically ready to look like a fucking superhero next to Henry Cavill. And nobody can, can dismiss the fact that in terms of acting capability, Ben Affleck will eat Henry Cavill's lunch. When those two guys are on screen and sharing dialogue, he's going to get eaten alive if Ben Affleck says, yo, I'm going to go into Oscar mode and I'm going to bury this kid. People forget that shit. And you know what's funny? Ben Affleck played Superman. If you've ever seen Hollywoodland, he played George Reeves, who played Superman in the 1950s show. He understands the Superman mythology. He's well-versed in the shit. And he knows the expectations that comic fans have after being shit on for Daredevil. He knows what to expect. He knows. You know, I'm not... Look, there are a ton of arguments that could be made. There's a dozen other guys, Rich, that could have played him. I know. Why Ben Affleck? Why? I don't know. But according to what they said... They started talking with Ben Affleck earlier this year after Man of Steel was complete and Snyder started talking to different actors, allegedly including Josh Brolin and Baby Goose. And Affleck was the one that was open to the idea and started talking about the character. And he liked what he heard, so negotiations came into play. And he signed a multi-picture deal. Yeah, see what I'm saying? Like, I like what Dark Helmet says. Daredevil got him a hot wife. That depends, dude, because her forehead is big as fuck. But, um, seriously. 
everybody that that's sitting behind their computers bitching about him being daredevil are not thinking about the fact that the shit was 10 fucking years ago you know that's that's what kills me these dudes are all pissing vinegar on the internet there's chemical weapons being dispersed in Syria and and you know we're on the verge of possibly another war but the entire twitter sphere is worried about Miley Cyrus's ass looking like a defrosted chicken and fucking Syrian chemical weapons. That's what they're worried about. Look at Miley Cyrus twerking, y'all. Holy shit. Ben Affleck should be glad that that bitch was twerking on the VMAs because that way he didn't have to hear any more bullshit. And read about petitions. There were petitions about people saying, oh, Ben Affleck shouldn't be Batman. And these were the same fucking jizz bags that probably said Heath Ledger would suck as the Joker. Give the fucking guy a chance. Give him a chance. What's the worst that can happen? It sucks, and we don't see him ever again. And Batman gets shelved for a couple of years. Fuck it. But to dismiss the fact that, that you know, that, he was, that, that he's going to suck without even giving him a fair shake is stupid. It's, it's, it's so fucking stupid to me. And these dudes, when I wrote the article, how angry they were. Oh, you know, you got all these dudes on there, man. And you think Ben Affleck doesn't suck because 10 fucking years ago, 10, you don't think that he could evolve as an actor and become better. These are the same fuckers that probably complained when Idris Elba was Heimdall same kind of guys you know man from an authenticity standpoint shut the fuck up shut your face i'm gonna give him the shot i'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt if we get boston accent southie batman then fuck it that's what we get good luck with that scott snyder good fucking luck by the way Everybody talking about Brian Cranston being Lex Luthor. The shit hasn't been announced yet. Get off your high horses with the fan film that everybody's talking about and accept the fact that we don't know who Lex Luthor is yet. Sure, Brian Cranston would be nice. But I like John Hamm. John Hamm would probably be a better a better Lex Luthor. Cranston needs, to, you know, Cranston playing Lex Luthor is pretty much Walter White versus Superman. Cut the shit out. Yeah, he would work. But there go with somebody don't go with the most obvious choice. And yes, Brian Cranston would be a badass Commissioner Gordon. Thank you, Strider. I agree ten thousand fucking percent. But there you have it. Every everybody wanted my rant on Ben Affleck as Batman. There it is. Get the fuck over it. Let the guy fail first. We get Southie Batman, fuck it. That's what we get. Who cares? Anyway, moving on. It's 1.55 in the morning. Please note, if you are listening to the show via the Blog Talk Radio feed, that feed will end at 2 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can continue listening to the show by going to gfqlive.tv or mtrlive.com. So, we got some Fast and Furious news for this week. Tony Ja is rumored to be joining the cast. Um, the Hollywood Reporter reported it as a rumor, and I shared it on the site. 
as confirmed. So Tony Ja in Fast and Furious 7, definitely looking forward to that. Would love to see him mix it up. Um, especially, I mean, Jason Statham is the villain. I don't know where Tony Ja falls into it. Five, a million bucks, I, I would wager that Tony Ja is going to be his right-hand man. And he's just going to whoop. Paul Walker's ass because nothing is funnier than Tyrese and Ludacris getting their ass whooped. But, you know, I think that the fight scenes with Tony Ja are going to be a fucking problem. Anyway, Fast and Furious 7 hits theaters July 11th, 2014. Let's get into box office numbers. Lee Daniels, the butler, was number one, $17 million. We're the Millers was number two. The Mortal Instruments, City of Bones was number three. The World's End was number four. Planes was number five. Elysium. Wow, this is a little. hmm. Oh, okay. uh, Planes was number five. Elysium was number six. Your Next was number seven. Percy Jackson Sea of Monsters was number eight. Blue Jasmine was number nine. And Kick-Ass 2 was number 10 with a $22.4 million total thus far. There you have it. In some small screen news. Sci-Fi has actually greenlit a pilot for a TV series based on 12 Monkeys. I actually read that on IGN. The uh, pilot was written by uh, Terry Matalas and Travis Fickett, who actually have written for the CW's Nikita, which I know Slick has seen Nikita, so if he's familiar with that show, maybe he can shed some light on whether it will suck or not. I think that 12 Monkeys was, you know, it was a show that, it was a movie that dropped in 1995, and I think much like the Stargate series, there might be some some substance there for a TV series. I mean, Stargate was an underrated and extremely cool sci-fi movie, and I bring it up because James Spader is going to be in this week's news. But um, Stargate, the the series that followed Stargate, definitely definitely rocked. I had no problem with Stargate SG One. I really enjoyed it. So who knows? Maybe Twelve Monkeys would translate well to the small screen. Slick says that Nikita had a lot of twists and they could do a 12 monkey show. So we'll see how it pans out. Again, it's a pilot that will be airing on the sci-fi channel. As I mentioned earlier in the segment, Vin Diesel has confirmed that he will be doing motion capture and voice work for Groot in guardians of the galaxy. He is also rumored to be working with Marvel to play another character in a film that should be in theaters in 2016 or 2017 with the launch of the third Marvel phase. So there you have it. Vin Diesel is officially Groot, and he will be doing voice work and motion 90 seconds. There goes the English woman yelling in my ear. There are 90 seconds of airtime on the Blog Talk Radio feed. Make sure to switch over to mtrlive.com to continue listening to the live broadcast. So, besides, obviously, 12 Monkeys coming to the small screen, Deadline reported that NBC is going to do a TV series based on Outbreak. If you guys remember, Outbreak was the movie about the monkey that was carrying that disease. 60 seconds. We got it, 60 seconds. Uh, The monkey that was carrying that disease with Dustin Hoffman, Morgan Freeman, and Renee Russo. Outbreak came out in 1995. It earned $190 million on a $50 million budget. Um, Again, another show that... The, the, the whole concept of Outbreak was good, but it feels more in line with a movie than a TV series. Frankly, if, any, if anybody from that Outbreak movie needs to appear in the TV series, it has to be the fucking monkey. That's who I want to be that monkey's agent because that fucking monkey popped up in 
a dozen movies. Anaconda, Outbreak, you name it. Movie with Little Monkey. That's where you saw him. Seriously, I want to be that monkey's agent. I want to wake up and look in the in the paper and say... Ten seconds. Oh, God, ten seconds. Again, mtrlive.com to continue listening to the live feed. Anyway, definitely would love to be an agent for the monkey because seriously... He, that little monkey, and it's this. I know for a fact it is the same monkey because he is in every movie. And you know, it's the little black tiny monkey with the little white chest. And whenever the camera goes on him, he's like, ee! he's always like screaming into the camera, fucking dying every time. So yeah, please get the monkey, give him a job, throw him on Outbreak, and call it a day. But seriously, I don't feel that Outbreak as a TV series would work well. Simple as that. So, one of the series that, well, besides Sherlock, that I really have taken a liking to from BBC is Luther with Idris Elba, which is another show that I cannot recommend enough. Please do yourselves a favor. If you have um, Amazon Prime or Netflix, make sure to check out Luther because it is amazing. So, they're looking to possibly do a prequel film about Luther. And yes, it does cancel the apocalypse because that's how awesome it is. Thank you, Slick. Uh, Neil Cross, the creator of the show, said that he finished the screenplay that he hopes to go into production for next year. Of course, the TV show is stars Idris Elba as John Luther. And um, they're saying that they're going to probably pull the plug on the show after the third season. But they want to release the movie to follow Luther's early career as a cop. And um, the final scene of the film would be the TV series opening sequence. I'm definitely on board for that. I think that Luther was a tremendous show, and Idris Elba's fantastic. He's a tremendous actor. And yes, you know, he canceled the apocalypse, but seriously, do yourselves a favor. Netflix or Hulu or Amazon Prime, find a way to watch Luther. It's not that many episodes, and it is fan-fucking-tastic. Anyway, last bit of entertainment news to take the show home this week was the announcement that James Spader was going to be Ultron in Avengers Age of Ultron. Of course, Ultron is a signature Avengers villain. Age of Ultron is set for release May 1st, 2015. Now, a lot of people thought that Jarvis, who was voiced by Paul Bettany in the Iron Man movies, would continue the voice work and go into Ultron. Now, here's the thing. As soon as they said, oh, James Spader's playing Ultron, Everybody, once again, the nerd rage. Oh, fucking James Spader, man. He's going to play Ultron. How's that going to work? He's old. He's out of shape. Blah, fucking blah. And I said to myself, you fuckers realize that Ultron is a robot and will probably be created with special effects. You do realize this, right? James Spader's probably just going to be the fucking voice. You basement-dwelling shitheads. And this is what angers me sometimes with certain people. James Spader's gonna be Ultron. How's that gonna work? Listen. Ultron is a robot. Much like Rocket Raccoon is a talking raccoon that doesn't have Bradley Cooper dressed as a raccoon, looking like a live-action Sly Cooper. Same thing. Special effects. Voice work. Maybe some mocap. Maybe. Seriously, James Spader is a tremendously talented actor. 
His work on Boston Legal was tremendous. I liked him in Wolf alongside Jack Nicholson. James Spader's very quirky, very weird, and playing like that twisted, just, you know, smug-talking computer to, to, to Robert Downey Jr.'s Tony Stark would just be amazing. Like, imagine just Tony Stark one-liners with James Spader as a fucking giant robot that just punches Robert Downey Jr. in the face. I'm all in. Count me the fuck in. Joss Whedon hasn't failed us thus far. If he could make Scarlett Johansson bearable and Grumpy Cat as Hawkeye enjoyable, I'm sure he can make James Spader work as fucking Ultron. Please, people, please. Let it let it rock for a few minutes. Like, don't get me wrong. I shit on movies and actors so much, so much. But I also reserve some wait-and-see approaches with regards to certain things. This being one of them. James Spader is a solid actor. You know? It is what it is. Waffles in the chat says, I hope they don't make a G.I. Joe with Transformers. Dude, that's Michael Bay material front and center. Come on, shit blowing up, giant robots, soldiers, ninjas. Come on. You know he'd do it. You know for a fact that we would see The Rock standing on Optimus Prime's shoulder, giving the people's elbow. Optimus Prime would give Megatron a rock bottom. Bumblebee would do a people's elbow off the top of a skyscraper, and there would be slow motion effects with one girl screaming in slow-mo. Come on. It would happen. You know it. You know it. You know it would, dude. You know it would. But honestly, you know what? With with the with the recent resurgence of movies from my childhood uh being, you know, heading to the silver screen, I, I, I'd be curious to see G.I. Joe and Transformers, dude. I really am, because the comics are so badass. Especially like with when um Cobra Commander takes control of Megatron and makes him like his personal vehicle and shit. I like that stuff. I, I I'm a sucker for the books. It it probably would translate decent to film. It's just that you would you it would the the actors playing the Joes would be overshadowed by the robots. That's all. And Michael Bay would just go crazy blowing shit up. Oh look, Roadblock is walking down the street. Well, I figure as if he's walking down the street, we should blow up the trash cans. But Michael, he's just walking down the street. Blow up the damn trash cans. Like that's the kind of shit Michael Bay does. Hey, do you think that Duke is gonna is gonna save Lady J and Falcon and Flint? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna do that. And after he does it, the building is gonna blow up. Like, ah, oh, come on, dude. Like, like that's the kind of shit that Michael Bay does. Well, I will say this: He Man is already in the books. The guy who directed the last GI Joe movie is actually working on bringing He Man back to the big screen. Thundercats, I've always been torn about because it definitely shouldn't be done with live actors. Maybe I would do it uh, like Final Fantasy, um, like CGI style. I don't know about actors and full-on cat CGI, but then again, if it worked for Avatar, it might work for Thundercats. I would use what they did with Avatar for Thundercats. That I would do. Maybe something like that. Uh, Strider, crossover movies, Batman vs. Predator or Batman vs. Spawn. Wishful thinking, but I do know that Todd McFarlane allegedly said that next year they're going to start working on a new Spawn movie. And yes, Blade should definitely show up in a Spider-Man movie because they've worked together on numerous occasions. And especially if you throw Morbius in there, I'm all for that. I think Blade belongs to New Line, though, so 
we won't be seeing Blade. Well, no, no, no. Correction. Blade belonged to New Line, and I believe the rights for Blade and the Punisher reverted back to Marvel. So, who knows? We might see Blade pop up in another Marvel flick. That remains to be seen. Anyway, that's actually going to wrap up this week's show. So let's take it away. You've just heard My Take Radio, episode 196, for Thursday, September 29th, actually. Even though it's September 30th. Uh, Not September 30th either. Christ. All right, the monster energy's wearing off. Let's try that again. You've just heard My Take Radio, episode 196, for Thursday, August 29th, 2013. If you have any questions, concerns, or would like to be a guest on a future episode of My Take Radio, you can email me at mtrhost at mytakeradio.com or click the contact button on mytakeradio.com, fill out the form, and we will get in touch with you. You can also hit up our feedback line, 347-815-0687. That's 347-815-0MTR. And if you don't want your message played on air, please make sure to specify that when you leave your message. Last but not least, you can always find us on social media, on Twitter, at MyTakeRadio. On Facebook, become a fan. Add us to your circle on Google+. You can also find us on Pinterest, and you can also follow me on Instagram, Rich underscore MTR. I will say that a couple of listeners have sent me friend requests on Facebook. Let me let me just clarify that if I know you and I share a, a decent speaking relationship with you, I will approve your friend request. If I don't know you from a fucking hole in the wall and you want to keep up with me anyway, I have enabled the follow button so you can follow me on Facebook. But if I've never spoken to you ever, 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 I'm not just going to add you on my personal Facebook. Just throwing that out there for those of you that I've had to message to clarify that. But feel free to follow because I always put put a lot of my uh, uh, a lot of my updates publicly. So you'll be able to keep up with some of the stuff I am working on. Last but not least, if you want the best MTR experience, make sure to pick up our official apps for Android, iOS, and Windows Mobile plus Windows 8. For Android... Head over to the Amazon Marketplace, the Android Market. For iOS devices, of course, iTunes. And for Windows 8 and Windows Mobile, make sure to head to the Windows Mobile Store. And you can always listen to archived episodes of MTR via Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, and, of course, on the GFQ Network. I do ask that if you guys are getting the shows via iTunes, please take a moment and rate the show. We'd really appreciate it. It helps us get higher up in the rankings, and reach new listeners. And we all want new listeners, don't we? All right, that's it. On behalf of myself, Slick, and the rest of the MTR crew, I am out of here. I'll catch you guys next week. Peace. All right, so outro music for this week. I have no idea what we're going to go with, but you know what? Let's go into the old roulette wheel and go with um, the masked man from Street Fighter 2, OCRemix.org, by Nutritious. Peace.